Thank you so much for checking out the audio version of my channel, Ruslan KD, can you stream out loud on all platforms? If you, yes, you find this valuable, the best way you can reach me, the best way you can give me feedback, the best way you can even hop into a group Zoom call with me is through our King's Dream Patreon community. So consider partnering with us there. The link is in the description of this podcast. Thank you so much for all the love and support. Now enjoy. Super excited to be here with you guys tonight. We're going to be talking about the John Piper article that came out about Jonathan Edwards owning slaves, how to reconcile that. Then we're going to jump further and deeper into unpack this, this whole idea of, of, of reform theology, the tulip, so many, so many good topics we're going to cover today. And so I'm extremely excited to be here uh, with a guest of mine that I want you guys to be introduced to. He runs the Cross Examined podcast. And his name, ladies and gentlemen, is Kurt Kennedy. You're here. Yeah, yeah. We're here. We're finally doing this, man. Listen, guys, there's certain people you meet that upon like the first or second conversation, you just kind of hit it off, man. And 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 connecting with you, uh, Kurt, as someone as someone that appreciates your podcast, like that was like my first introduction. Was like, right. whoa, this podcast is fire. And then it was like, let let me reach out, and then I go, and I'm like, oh snap, he's already following me. Like he knows who I am. And then we started DMing, and we hopped on a Facetime, and uh, it, it's always. Awesome to meet brothers that um, that 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 love Jesus, love the Word of God, um, and, and are creative and artistic and, and know how to articulate and inspire, man. So I'm super excited. I'm super excited for for my audience to get to know you here a bit. Um, so let's let's jump into who you are briefly because you come from a reform background, and we'll get yeah. into kind of what that what that means theologically. Um, so so just folks who've never heard of you, just who who are you? What do you do? And uh, and tell them about yourself. Yeah, so I am. Well, first I'm glad to be here, brothers. Good to you know jump on this with you, man. We have had some really good conversations over the last few weeks. So it's good to be here. I'm a supporter of what you do, man. Appreciate, appreciate you, brother. your perspective and your show. Only thing I'm not appreciating is I look like the Sasquatch right here. Beside <laughs> you, man. You, look like, you look all clean cut with the nice lights on. I got Well, you like got you got the cool bu- bookshelf behind you, right. which look, makes the, you look the, way smarter. The, the, the standard <laughs> bookshelf for a dude who's a Christian, right? I'm over here. My dreads aren't done, man. Golly, I wasn't even thinking when I said I'd come on this joint. But listen, I'm Kurt Kennedy. <laughs> I am uh, a husband and a father above all. I got a wife that I've been married to for 17 years on the 29th of August. And I got three boys, 13, 12, and 10, taking uh, my oldest son on a trip tomorrow, man. Excited to do that with him, spend a couple days with him. Wow. Uh, I'm also a pastor of a local church just outside of Washington, D.C. Okay. So the church is called Solid Rock Church, and I've been there for 13 years as a pastor. I've written a couple of books. I've been a Christian hip-hop artist. Some people knew me formerly as Voice. This is okay. back when I was, you know, uh, if you remember, I rapped at John Piper's church years ago in 06 and was did all of that. And then, and then I turned into Kirk Kennedy after I took a couple of years off from music. Because I, I, there were different shifts. I, voice was more 
describing reform theology through music and Kirk mm-hmm. Kennedy was more the ex street dude that got saved. And so mm. I really wanted to just shift focus. And so I've been Kirk Kennedy musically and just artistically since 2014. I do a podcast called Cross Examine. It's a, it's not a YouTube podcast. It's mainly just um, one that you listen to audio wise, but we are the, you can't handle the truth with my co-host Strack the Wolverine, Strizzy Strack. And we talk about a lot of concepts, man. We cover some of the things that you'll talk about ideas that you come from and we try to come from a different angle so now i appreciate it man it's been fun man it's been a good it's been a good run to do all this stuff and we're just about to end season three we got one more episode of season three and then we'll pick up a season four on cross-examine in the end of september but i'm looking forward to to doing this with you bro and and what's the name of the church and how how many pastor elders are there are you the head pastor tell us a little bit about that yeah so there's so it's solid rock church i'm lead pastor there there's another colleague of mine we have two elders but we have a leadership team of about eight other people okay and those are just people in the church men and women are on that leadership team and um and we're we're in process hopefully this fall of installing a few more elders we're a few hundred people so i don't want to have like so many elders that you know and then with covid yeah. it's so affecting your ability to to do church sure that i don't want people don't there not with nothing to do i mean there's just there's just certain things where a lot of ministries is just kind of happening differently because of covid right um so um let's get into this john piper thing man he was trending yeah. on my twitter i don't know if he was trending on twitter but he was trending on my twitter mm-hmm. and i saw some stuff um i sent you an article that i had read yeah, and right. it, you know okay so he, here's here's my framework i i think any hero in the faith that i look at in the scriptures and outside of the scriptures is flawed right like it, it, they're going to have issues i mean Martin Luther, the the, the the Protestant reformer himself, says some pretty wild, like, anti-Semitic things in his lifetime, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Bi- Billy Graham, who I think, you know, probably one of the most influential people in the last hundred years, kind of refused to march with Dr. King and didn't really see civil rights as a thing that could be accomplished or, or is in, in his lifetime. So there's this, there's this tension that we live in that folks are flawed. John Piper seems to write this article about Jonathan Edwards, who's, you know, very respected by the reform community and seems to kind of downplay the fact that he he owns slaves, uh, downplay the fact that uh, and I don't say downplay, but kind of justify that because he was bringing them to Jesus and because he treated them well, you know, and, and it got real murky. So. I want to hear from your perspective on this whole thing. You know Piper personally, um, yeah. and, and and what do you and, and Piper? I feel like has been an ally with the book he wrote about racism and his heart yeah, for racial reconciliation. Yeah, bloodlines. So, t- tell me what do you what do you make of all this? And you know, people saying they're coming down too hard on on Piper and and this whole thing. So, what do you make of it all? You know, so there's a couple things, right? When we're talking about all of our heroes in the faith are not flawed or flawed, right? Like, like the hall of faith in Hebrews 11, like why is Samson in there? You know what mm, I'm saying? Like, yeah. you look at, you look at, uh, I mean, to me, Gideon, like Gideon, you had faith after God, like did seven different things for you. And finally, as you go into the enemy camp and hear them say that the Lord's going to give Gideon into our hand, Mm-hmm. To me, that's more sight than faith. But God processes faith differently, obviously. 
because he put those people in there as examples for us to have faith and they're very flawed. Mm -hmm. So I think the, the notion of flawed people being used by God is, is just the way it works because the fall of humanity, everyone's flawed except Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. The challenge though, here's the challenge though. The challenge is, did the flaws of the people in the Bible inspire other people to commit those same flaws? So when we talk about, cause I, cause, and, and let me tell you why I'm bringing this up, because what people do, I heard this, I heard these arguments with these theologians when people were bringing up slavery, like, well, I guess we can't, you know, trust anyone in the Bible because everyone's flawed. David and they naming all these people. But listen, David didn't inspire the Israelites to commit adultery like he did. You know what I'm mm. saying? Like none of the people that are flawed in scripture, Paul, Peter, None of these people inspired people to think that their flaws were biblical and acceptable, right? Mm, so mm. when we talk about this, we have to also consider not just was he flawed, but what did his flaws accomplish? Well, when you get a, a guy like Jonathan Edwards, he was considered the greatest mind in America. You know what I'm saying? At one point, he inspired the Great Awakening, right? The first Great Awakening. So you have a guy whose life, and, and so let me say this real quick, because Martin Luther King comes up a lot in these things. Okay, let's say Martin Luther King was an adulterer and did all these things. Let's just say all that stuff is true. He didn't inspire people to do that, though. So when we talk that's, about- That's the, an important distinction that you just made right there. That's an important distinction. He didn't inspire people to yeah. do that. He didn't teach that what he's doing is biblical, right? So- when you look at a guy like Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield, but we're saying on Edwards because that's what we're talking about. He inspired generations of people to think that how they should view a core doctrine like the Imago Dei, the mm. image of God, yeah. was lessened. It was unbiblical, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when we think about him, I'm all for, hey, I'm flawed. I got people in my church who say, that's my pastor. And I sometimes I'm like... I'm like shiver every time they bring that up because it's like, oh, they're introducing me to their moms and their dads. Yeah. This big black X street dude, like, oh, you know, looking like fat out. And these people are like, this is my pastor. I get it, right? But I'm not also inspiring people to commit the flaws that I have. Mm. And Jonathan Edwards did. So when I think about all of this, I think that we're, and this, this might move into a bigger thing, and I'll hold off on that because we might get there, but... I think there is a selective nature in which we give people the benefit of the doubt based mm. on what we think of them. Mm. And I think historically, just to be honest, you know, historically, I think white people have always given white people the benefit of the doubt for their flaws mm. and have not extended that to black people. So when it comes to Jonathan Edwards, to me, it's I understand you know, there's theology that he had that I liked. I mean, I can still learn from him. Listen, bro, if I Google, how do I talk against this particular arg atheistic argument and a Ravi mm -hmm. Zacharias video comes up, mm -hmm. I'm gonna watch mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I also understand that like, I, I see these men who inspired people to essentially be sinful in their mm -hmm. actions and attitudes. I don't have a high view of that. Mm, and that's different okay. to me. So I think John Piper, I think he dropped the ball some on, on really just making the theology of Jonathan Edwards so great. I think we have to be careful when we do stuff mm. like that.
Now, you know, Jonathan Edwards is, I believe, Jonathan Edwards Jr. and some of the people that came after him did end up becoming uh, abolitionists and and, and yep. went towards helping, you know, end slavery in America. Mm-hmm. They were a part of that movement, and so I do think it's important to also juxtapose the fact that yes, some of his views definitely, <laughs> definitely seem to be off. Yet yeah. somehow, the next generation was inspired to abolish slavery. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and I think and I think that's huge. And sometimes that maybe that isn't talked about enough, right? Sometimes it's just like, well, the Bible was used to, yeah. you know, uh, indoctrinate people into this systemically racist thing with slavery and this all this stuff and Jim Crow and all that kind of stuff. But we also kind of missed that, well, there were a lot of Christians who were abolitionists that actually did work to take this whole thing apart. 100%. Which I think, which I think is, which I think is, 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 is a... Um, it is the fingerprint of God in in that. Like I think that's a that's a beautiful thing. So, do you think that the the the, the critique of John Piper could currently is is valid in this regard? Or do you think like in terms of him whitewashing this whole thing? And I saw you know I saw, I've been seeing tweets and all that kind of stuff. Or do you think that that that's coming down a little too heavy handed um, on on his you know to him? You know, it's funny, man, because I can see both sides of it. To be honest. Mm-hmm. Again, I think I think there is a a deeper issue with who we give the benefit of the doubt to, right? Mm-hmm. There's no one that is sinless except Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so who do we give the benefit of the doubt to is really a deeper question. And then the question becomes then the next question is why? Mm-hmm. Why does he get the benefit of the doubt? But let's say like, I don't know where, where John Piper is right now because people mm-hmm. change a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, at, at, even in the article, over the years, John Piper had different positions. He would say mm-hmm. different things, you know? Mm-hmm. So people change, man. And sometimes we act like what you said five years ago was what you meant for life. And sometimes yeah. you just change. You think differently as you grow. Sanctification grows you. And so you may have some different perspectives. So... I, you know, I don't know if he's whitewashing Jonathan Edwards. I don't know mm-hmm. if he has to always mention that he was a slave owner and make that a big deal. Like we kind of know that already, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't, yeah. I don't think it's necessary for that to always be mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think if he, if his if he were to speak and say and minimize the significance, because here's what I, I haven't, I'm unaware of from John Piper, and I'm sure he said this, and I'm unaware of it. The, the impact of Jonathan Edwards' flaw, I think, is minimized. That, I think, is a problem. Mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. we need to always highlight Jonathan Edwards' own slaves and that, right? Mm-hmm. But I think we minimize the impact of so great a theologian mm-hmm. that affected other people. To So then if you're a Christian and you hear Jonathan Edwards has slaves... Mm-hmm then you're just good with it. And so, and then when you, and then it's not just that he had slaves, it's that, okay, slavery is, when we talk about it, we talk like it's just owning another person, right? But there were Mm -hmm. so many, there's a drop down menu when you talk about slavery, right? So Mm -hmm. there's unnecessarily, you know, mercilessly whipping and beating people, killing some of those slaves. Mm -hmm. The Bible talks about uh, true religion is the care for orphans and widows. Well, slavery created orphans and widows. Right. Mm -hmm. So all the things that the Bible talks about, we just act like slavery, which is owning a person. 
So mm-hmm. if I'm a Christian and I hear this great theologian, Jonathan Edwards, owns slaves, I don't. Do you separate all the treatment of those slaves versus the ownership of them, or mm-hmm. do you say the whole kit and caboodle, right? The whole mm-hmm. way you treat these people, he agrees with, and I'm not aware that distinctions were made in his writings. Mm-hmm. So again. When we think about this stuff, I can understand why John Piper wouldn't be like, I need to highlight this every time. But I do think that there is a minimization and bigger picture and period of the reverberating consequences of slavery and Jim Crow. A lot of what people are arguing today aren't even those issues, but the consequences of it. That's good. So let's let's get into reform theology. I, I, there was a time where the majority of Christian hip hop and, and, you know, a lot of folks were reformed. Uh, I was know, one of them. I yeah, one yeah. Of them. Th- that was a big movement. Um, there was there's a there's a rich history there. Right. And, and it's it's post the Protestant Reformation with Martin Luther uh, separating. And then, you know, years later, you have John Calvin in the mix and then Joseph Armenian kind of responds to John Calvin, and then you, we get these this tulip 50 years after John Calvin dies, which is really interesting in the timeline of what we would call, like, reform. Because even that's a spectrum, right? Like, what, it, what is reformed? What is Lutheran? What it, it was, so, so, so the, Calvinist. The Calvinist, right, which is a title you don't personally ascribe to. No. Um, yeah, so there's this timeline of like you have Luther, you have John Calvin, uh, again, both of which were flawed. You know, I think John Calvin was a part of uh, having or, or no, I don't say he did it, but having somebody burned at the stake that he, you know, was was a heretic. So there's some stuff going on there. He dies. Joseph Armenian is on the scene. Then 50 years later, we get the five points of Calvin. And it's, it's it's like this like protest, then then more protest, then the protest to the protest to the protest, you know, and going back and forth. So, from your vantage point, um, how would you describe reform theology? And then I, I, I do want to get kind of into the into the tulip, um, and and you share with that. I think in a, in a very succinct, simplistic way, mm-hmm. reform theology is a conceptual framework that comes out of what the Bible describes as how man is saved, how God um, is the author of salvation, and how God is basically the one who determines, who sets forth, sets things in motion, and is sovereign, is in control over the affairs of humanity. And Reformed okay. theology is a conceptual framework that highlights God as the the center and the initiator of salvation, but he's also the, uh, he's the keeper of those who, of that salvation as well. So that's, that's the way I'd say it in more simple terms. Right. And, and, and there's also a soteriology around it initially mm-hmm. that God's a hundred percent responsible for, right. for salvation. Now there's some people that would say like, oh, well, you know, John Calvin didn't really embrace Calvinism, you know, uh, or John Calvin didn't fully embrace the tulip. Uh, where would you fall on, on that spectrum in terms of Calvin and Calvinism? And then is there, is there a distinction between John Calvin and Calvinism? So this is going to sound wild. I I just, who cares? Like, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, because 
what does the Bible teach, right? Like, this is why, so you mentioned this, and I, I want to say why I, I don't subscribe to being a Calvinist, because some people mm-hmm. are already marking me as like, oh, this dude is, I don't use the term Calvinist because Calvin didn't write scripture, mm-hmm. right? So all Calvin did was explain some of the truths of scripture at a crucial point in Amer- in redemptive history where a lot of people just didn't have access to didn't know how to read, didn't have access to Bibles. And you got, you know, the Mm. Reformation, which it was all the Catholic Church was controlling everything. And so Calvin just explained truth. If anything, I'm a Paulinist, right? Because Calvin's writings were Paul's theology. So for me, he just organized it in a way. And then his followers afterward to try to simplify, you know, something because Reformed theology is a very, you know, it's a very robust sort of uh, uh, intellectual theology. You know, it's not just a simple thing like, oh, I'm one saved, always saved. I'm just saying like there's so many components to it. Mm -hmm. So I don't think Calvin, I I think with people, the stuff about did Calvin embrace this and didn't embrace that? I think Calvin believed the scriptures and he taught to the best of his ability what he thought scripture meant. And his institutes and all that stuff lay out clearly. I think Calvin you know, would probably subscribe to the tulip and the things that were developed after him. Okay. But I, I, but I think a lot of it is is less about like, Calvin tried to teach what the Bible taught. And I think that's what it really boils down to. We get into these, okay, I'm with Paul, I'm with Apollo, some with Cephas, sure. I'm with, sure, and that's sure, why sure. I just like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so, because I, I think even within Reformed theology or, or you know, the tulip, there's even a, there's a spectrum there, right? There's, there's a broad right. spectrum there. And when it comes to, to just the way the tulip is laid down, like it, it starts at total depravity, right? Uh, and I think that's a very interesting place to start because, <laughs> you know, the scriptures start with the Imago Dei. The scriptures start yeah. with God. God creating people in his image, saying it was good, and then the fall, right? So it's like it almost starts at like, well, just people are jacked up, and that's what it is. So right. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious from your perspective, like, would you ascribe to a double predestination? Are you, you know, because we could say God is sovereign or is God fully in control? Do, do you line up with like a determinism or a God is ultimately sovereign the way a king is sovereign over a nation? And then we still have responsibility and choice within that nation, right? Because I, I think if we think of the gospel, obviously God initiates this entire thing from sure. the creation to sending Jesus. Clearly, he's at the helm. Clearly, he's omnipresent, omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing, right, the whole bit. But I think when we start getting into that, like, there's such a wide spectrum within Calvin. I don't want to say Calvinism, but within that world, where would you kind of fall with some of that stuff? (laughs) So the reason why I'm laughing is because, like, a lot of this stuff is are tensions that I don't think the biblical authors wrestle with. Okay. So, like, when you look at, like, Romans 9, right, Mm -hmm. Paul does not, when Paul talks about, you know, I wish that all Israel was saved. In fact, I I would give up my own salvation for the sake Mm -hmm. of these people, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. He but he But he never blames God when he gets to Jacob I loved, Esau I hated, right? Mm -hmm. So he doesn't seem to struggle with this dynamic and, 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 and associate sort of, 
uh, titles to double predestination. He doesn't struggle with that. A lot of these things where they land and the reason why I hesitate ascribing to them, because when you say, okay, I believe in double predestination, which means I believe that God chooses people to go to heaven and then some right. people go to hell as a result yeah. of his choice. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then it just, it seems unfair to people. Right. And this is where Paul, you know, he, he resolves that tension by who are you, oh man, to question God. I think there are times where, and this is what Reformed Theology does well, it presents tensions that mm -hmm. I don't think we're supposed to really solve. And okay. so in, in a lot of these things, I agree. I think that God initiates salvation. I do not think that it's possible in the Bible, at least from what the Bible says, going to Ephesians. You go, I mean, even if you go to just the fall and it's like, okay, yeah. this one will give birth to a seed. Yeah individual right mm -hmm. and then your offspring satan was plural so it was like there's this thing there's one seed that's going to come from this one that's going to fix all of it whereas all yeah. the offspring that you have it's clear that like that biting of the fruit that eve and adam did mm -hmm. set humanity in a trajectory that was like okay then the only way this can happen is really whatever god initiates whatever god does and then you look at genesis 6 you know uh god saw that man's inclination was wickedness all the time so mm. to me when you have these things laid out by god and you mm. see that god spared noah his sons and his wives when the flood so the flood wasn't even the full wrath of god right so whatever mm. jesus got on the cross was more of the wrath of god than what noah got with, with, mm. with the flood because eight people's sins were spared so you, you, there's no way I think you can, in the Bible, you have to assume that, okay, God is choosing some people to experience salvation. And by default, that means everyone's not going to experience it based on his choice. Do you think if someone has the scriptures, is on an island by themselves, and has the scriptures in a translation that they could understand, it's just them, Holy Spirit, reading scripture, do you think they land at Calvinism? Because I think that is where it does seem like it's an external philosophy kind of being injected into, into scripture a lot of times. And again, wide spectrum of beliefs here. Um, do you think that that kind of happens sometimes with, with, with the tulip or, or with some of these, these different things? So that's a tough question because it's kind of, you know, sort of hypothetical, right? But I think a person will not may not arrive at the terms. Okay. So I don't know if a person will arrive at total depravity, the words. Sure, sure, or sure. Unconditional election, right? Or sure, sure. But I do think there are things that a person will say, Well, the Bible says this, it does say this. Mm -hmm. You know, it does say Romans three, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and there's no one does good, not even one. There's I think you can't miss that Ephesians two, you know. Yeah, the state um, of humanity is is fairly broken. It's clear, right? I yes, think there yes. are aspects where someone would walk, come away with, and be like, "Yeah, this makes sense. I see this." Mm -hmm. But then you have that tension of Second Peter three nine. God, you know, He's not slow as we count slowness, but desiring that everyone would repent, everyone, right? Or yeah, you have yeah, yeah. God so loved the world. So I think you would walk away with. Man, I see both of these, but the strength to me of the argument is humanity is flawed and God intervenes. I think people yeah. will walk away from reading the Bible and realize, okay, salvation is not going to be possible without God doing something. 
Is it possible that you know man is 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 fallen? God intervenes, and then man has a a, a degree of responsibility, a degree of responding to that, right? And I and again, I don't I don't want to get into the the lofty ideas because I'm definitely I know for sure like I am not an Ar- Armenian like well, I'm, I'm Armenian but I'm not Armenian right, right? <laughs> right like right. like so so I'm not that but I'm also like I also can't rock with the all five points of the tulip right like I think I think the tulip kind of puts a little sauce on original sin like I think it kind of goes the extra mile because it, there's a lot of verses and then it's like there's also stuff in there about you know folks in acts who do make some sort of decision or do something good right um or obviously the hard one is like the limited atonement right and then you got guys like a driscoll kind of found like a little little unlimited limited atonement i'm a four and a half point calvinist right so so like it, it seems like there's there's a there's a spectrum there like i would probably say like oh well i'm a three point calvinist right like i, I don't right. really rock with like and again, and maybe this is semantics. Maybe this is like me hearing Paul Washer repeatedly say, utterly depraved, man hates God, <laughs> right? And I'm like, okay, yes, like Roman says there's a hostility to the things of God. But like yeah. when you start saying, you are, you're born hating God and then mm-hmm. God regenerates you. And I'm like, ah, I don't think my four-month-old hates God. Like I don't think mm-hmm. my six-year-old hates God. Now, mm-hmm. is their flesh hostile? Maybe. Will it become grow more hostile? Maybe. But mm-hmm. I. So you see what I'm saying? Like, so I think that's yeah, the part yeah, where yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's there's a, there's a tension there that. Um, and I also think we're made in the image of God, and we have eternity written on our hearts. I think according to Ecclesiastes, and we and, and we know right from wrong, and mm-hmm. we we do desire some good things. We have a consciousness, the moral law, or the or the common grace of laws written on our hearts. You know, so like, how do you kind of maneuver through some of that? Yeah, man. That's yeah. I know what you're saying. I wrestled with a lot of that when I first came to reform theology. I think so. The 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 hostile to God kind of language, right? I mm-hmm. think. We have to think about, okay, what exactly is hostile to God, right? So it's just, it's sin, like the uh, the desire to sin. Like when we look at Genesis 3, what the fruit was, what they inherited, what, what Satan tempted Eve with was you will be like God determining good and evil, not mm. just understanding what it is, but mm. deciding what it is, right? Mm. That's what, that was the temptation. If you notice, he never says, aren't you hungry? Doesn't the food look good? Those were all things she tempted herself with, right? Mm-hmm. His temptation was you will determine good and evil like God. And once they bit the fruit, all humanity would now determine good and evil apart from God. That's just, it's standard. So even your four month old, they can't communicate, right? But there are times, which you wouldn't know because they're four month old, there are times your baby just he wants what he wants or she wants what she wants, right? Mm-hmm. And that that's a decision that that at, even with that young mind, that person is saying, I want what I want. And so when you look right. at like David in Psalm 51, you know, in my womb, you know, what I'm saying I send even in the womb like he's he, what he's describing is I understand that even before I was born, mm-hmm. I was cape. I sinned against you like I wanted what I wanted just by the nature of the way I was created. That's where a lot of people get that kind of language from. Like you're, yeah. you're hostile to God and sin in and of itself is de- deciding good and evil apart from God. So if yeah. that's something that all humanity inherits, mm. 
then it's difficult to say, well, some people, then how do we determine who, who does that and who doesn't? Like who was born with that and who wasn't? The only person we know that wasn't was Jesus, right? Amen. Because Amen. he didn't have the seed of Joseph transferred in then, right? It was, yeah. it was, a whole, so yeah. I understand the challenge of it. The thing is, bro, it's just hard. It's not, it's tough stuff. Reformed theology yeah. presents very stark, dogmatic, difficult things to consider. And to be honest, bro, some of those things, I don't think we're supposed to be trying to have answers to. I think that's, that's why the secret things belong to the Lord, right? Amen. They're things Amen. the Lord is just, so I, so for me, the way I've wrestled with reformed theology is I don't got to know everything. Amen. I'm okay with that. Like what it says, I know enough about, and I can point to scriptures to defend what I believe. Right. Once it becomes, well, what about this, this, and this? It's like, brother, I, the, the, yeah, the, original, the, the people who wrote scripture didn't seem yeah. to struggle with that. Right. And I don't think we're supposed to have answers to that. That's good. That's good. I think here, here's, here's kind of like, you know, and we can kind of get into some of the, the recent timeline, but in, in terms of the thing that, that I think people most find offensive about Calvinism or reformed is Calvinist. Is, is Calvinist, <laughs> the, the culture, right? The culture. And then, and because that was my thing was like, I, I didn't mind the doctrines of grace. I didn't mind the solas. I didn't mind some of these things. But I think the culture was hard. And, uh, you know, and again, like as, as, as soft as Paul Washer was and as hard as he was and sometimes ne in a necessary way, there was also there was yeah, there was that. And so I think here's the part that that's tough for some people to reconcile. And again, maybe this is like, well, we just don't need to think about it this way. When we get into determinism, um, People will be like, well, praise God for slavery because my ancestors wouldn't be here if it wasn't for this evil thing that happened. And God did God. Was that God's active will or was that God's passive will? Right. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to go a little deeper. And this is this is going to this is this is cringe. Um, if double predestination is true, meaning the doctrine of reprobate, well, then God from eternity's past is essentially creating billions and billions and billions and billions of people to burn in a conscious, eternal lake of fire. And it's very difficult for me to reconcile that with God being good, loving, patient, the same God that goes, man, there's something wrong with humanity. Jesus is going to come and deal with it because these people are incapable of dealing with it, which is, again, the, the, the unique proposition that Jesus offers versus any other religious leader. It's very hard to, to kind of reconcile that same God uh, also like, yeah, I'm going to make billions of people to spend conscious, knowingly spend conscious, internal fire, suffering. And then when someone says, well, that th those seem incongruent. How does a good God create people to do that? <clears throat> and it's like, well, there was the answer is like Romans nine, like shut up. Like you don't get to, <laughs> right? Like right. It's, it, 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 it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Again, we don't, if you don't have an answer for that, like totally respect. And again, and now I'm probably speaking of kind of more like a hyper Calvinist, right? Yeah. Maybe that's even slander to call them hyper Calvinists because there are people that like legitimately believe in double predestination, believe in a doctrine of reprobate. And, and again, I don't need to, you don't have, you can answer this however you want. I don't think there's like a yeah. wrong answer. But <clears throat> I think when I thought, when I thought about it like that, I was like, man, this just seems like inconsistent. Like I can't tell my kids that like, I'm a good father and then like beat them or or punish them on that severity even if they deserve 
punishment, like even if, right? And so anyway, th- th- that's a that's a real struggle yeah, for a lot of people because that becomes the logical conclusion. And again, again, maybe we're trying to infer logic. Maybe we're trying to infer yeah. philosophy into things that we just didn't didn't talk about. You know, that weren't really yeah. unpacked in scripture. Yeah, brother. Like this is where <laughs> what is Spurgeon called the deep end of the theological pool, right? This was Spurgeon was like. The challenge with what you're bringing up is, it's a couple levels, but the, the main one for me is, I think we have to understand in, in all in all humility as human beings that we don't view sin the same way God does. Okay. We're incapable. And the reason why is because we've all benefited from it to some degree. Okay. And we still benefited from it. Like I'll never have a view of sin the way God does because I benefited. I had sex before marriage. I used to be in the street shooting guns, selling crack, snatching people out of cars, getting high. And those were things that I found pleasure in. Through the grace of God, I'm able to see those things as wicked, right? Like I I tell my three boys, listen, boys, sin is fun. Mm -hmm. I tell them like, listen, sin is fun. Like it's not, we gotta be honest about this thing. Sin is fun, but then I tell them, but listen, the first three letters of funeral spell fun. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. the wages of sin is also mm. death. But but the reality that's a, that's is a, that's a bar by the way. That's the rapper in you. The first yeah, three it. letters of funeral spell fun. That's good. That's it. That's New true. album dropping in September. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Serial killer smiling pictures. But um, I think there is a reality where we have to understand it when we're viewing when we're trying to discern the way God views sins, we're already mm. at a disadvantage, mm, okay. right? Because I have benefited from sin and I'm not the one who's offended at sin. Like right now, right now, as we're talking, mm-hmm. right now, as we're talking at this very moment, someone's committing adultery, someone's robbing a bank, someone's molesting a child, someone's mm. having an abortion, someone's mm. committing a murder, someone's smoking crack, someone's forcing someone to smoke crack, someone's mm. raping someone in front of a, making a family watch. Yeah. And I'm not offended. This at whole these. video is getting demonetized after you just said that. <laughs> no, <my bad>. <laughs> <laughs> You're good though. Keep going. All that Keep going. That was good. Got, you can handle this one video. So yeah, yeah. So like all that stuff is happening and we're just yeah. not offended, brother. We're not offended. Mm. We read stuff in the paper. We're like, dad, and then we move on. Let me go yeah. play with my kids. Mm. But God doesn't do that. So mm-hmm. he see, he's the only one that's a, that's offended every time a sin happens. And because of that, when we're viewing how he views sinners, we have to understand that like God's perspective on every sin is every time billions, trillions of sins happen every day, probably every moment. And they're mm-hmm. always against him, always mm-hmm. against him. This is why David said, against you and you only have I sinned. Of course, that's not true, David. You sinned right. against Bathsheba, you right. sinned against Uriah, you right. sinned against Joab, you sinned against all of Israel, but right. he understood it's vertical. So when we're talking about God creating people and them sinning, the two things we have to consider is one, we're not, we don't see sin the same way. So we're not going to have the same solution Mm -hmm. because we're not even offended by a lot of that sin. Right. Mm. Two, we have to also understand this. Like when people talk about like double predestination, God choosing people to go to hell, how come those same people don't get offended that Jesus chose to take the wrath? Like when we think about Mm -hmm. election, you have to remember Jesus chose himself. So there's, that's, a, that's an election we need to talk about. 
He chose himself to receive the punishment. Mm. When you think of any way that God could have created salvation, there's million. He could have decided anyway. Look, when he told Satan that he's going to bruise your head, salvation could have been you got to step on a hundred heads of a snake and then you're saved, right? He could have done anything he wanted, but he chose. Jesus actually chose to take hell to experience the full wrath of God for people. That means he elected himself. He chose for himself to experience that punishment so that many people that deserve it wouldn't. We have yeah. to also consider that as well. Like, it's not like, like if, if the cross never happened, brother, yeah. then I think there's a lot of good arguments against God's goodness because he did this. But because mm. of the cross, man, he chose himself to, and if, and, and, and if anyone thinks the cross was an easy thing for Jesus, take a peek at that garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. When Jesus is saying, take this cup from me, and then an angel comes to strengthen him, and then even more drops of blood come, he prays even harder. Yeah. It wasn't easy. So we have to think about stuff like that when we're when we're considering something as challenging for us as double predestination or sure. God creating people in order them to be doomed. It's not just Romans 9. Yeah. It's deeper yeah. than that. That's no, that's a that, that's that's a, that's a fair answer. And th- what I appreciate about you, brother, is that you don't seem to have um like you're firm in these convictions these positions that you have but but there also seems to be a humility where you're also you don't think everybody that's not reformed is a heretic you know uh-huh. what i'm saying like like you you know i, I don't rock with with the tulip all the way right. and i and i tell you that and you're not gonna be like oh brother i don't know man you gotta watch your doctrine man because <laughs> you, <laughs> right so 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 i appreciate it i appreciate that about you and um and you know I, why, I, though? Because Reformed theology is not the gospel, though. Come on. People didn't have to believe in total depravity, unconditional election, limited. They just had to believe that Jesus, what does Romans 10, 9 say? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that he rose yeah. from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. Reformed theology is not the gospel. Amen. It is a conceptual framework to help me understand the theological way that things yeah. like salvation, the fall of man, these things happen. It is not the gospel. You don't have to believe reformed theology. The thief on the cross was not like, oh, you know, think about what he said to Jesus. Hey, you didn't do anything wrong. You don't deserve this. And remember me when you come into your kingdom. He was the most atheological person in the scripture. Yeah. Yeah, and Jesus point. said, Jesus said to me, you, today you'll be with me in paradise. He's in. Yeah, he's like, in. I think people, ref- this is why Calvinists be tripping. Like we act yeah. like, that's why I know we, because I don't call myself a Calvinist. But it's like, fam, if you really are a Calvinist, right? And you really believe in Calvinism, then you should be the most humblest person because you know God chose you. What are you boasting for and arrogantly judging people for? God chose you if, if you believe your own theology. So a lot of Calvinists, to me, don't even believe their own theology. Because if you can be arrogant and you're a Calvinist, then I question your Calvinism and maybe your Christianity. Whew. You shouldn't Ooh, be you arrogant. You said it. You, you said it. I oh, said it. You said listen, it. Okay. My last gripe listen, about Calvinism. My, 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 <laughs> last gripe, my last gripe about Calvinism, I promise you, because people kept pressing me about having, you know, someone that's reformed on here and an accurate position. I'm like, man, I don't know who better than Kurt Kennedy. You know, let me, mm-hmm. I, I, you know. So anyway, uh, so, so, so. This and again, maybe I'm not connecting the dots properly, right? So you you help me process this. Our church 
was has been everything. The church that I'm currently at, I'm at the same church for like 18, 19 years, right? So we started out like, you know, uh, church plant, emergent. We're trying to like be cool and hip. And then it went like kind of more charismatic. And then it like swayed hardcore on 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 the the tulip. I mean, dude, our one of our pastors who then went on and planted his own church. I mean, we, we kind of had a church split because of this, right? Wow. Uh, he went on to plant his own church from our church. Uh, at one point, I mean, basically rewrote like Driscoll's doctrines and theology, and we took like a twelve week uh, course and had to sign like a covenant to to rejoin. And I went through all that, right? And I was like, all right, cool, like I'm in. Um, but I had this conversation with me, and it, and it broke my heart. And this is not an indictment on him as a person, in case he's watching this, because I love the brother dearly. But we had this conversation, and it was around the time, Kurt, you know, I, I, I come from, from poverty. Like, my mother's yeah. a, you know, single-parent home, mother's an alcoholic, dad wasn't in the picture. We come here as refugees. English is my second language. A lot of baggage, a lot of trauma, a lot of just just being dumb. And around the year 2010, 2011, I started discovering financial literacy. And I sat down with our reformed pastor and I said, yo, like, man, I'm going through this stuff. It's amazing. We're paying off all this debt. This is great. Like, I think we should take the church through this FPU program, this Financial Peace University, not an endorsement of everything Dave Ramsey has ever said and done. Miss me with that. But I'm like, yo, I think this stuff is good. I think it could be valuable. Um, And I think there needs to be some practical utility for people who are followers of Jesus so that we could take responsibility, make better decisions with our finances onto the glory of God. And he was like, yeah, I just don't think we need any more courses. And -hmm. I was like, what do you mean? Like, like the, the the gospel is amazing. I mean, I'm with you on the theology. Like I'm, I'm, I was there. I was probably four and a half point. Right. And he, he said, uh, you know, I just think people need to preach the gospel to themselves. And I was like, the, the gospel ain't going to tell you how to manage your checkbook. Like the gospel is not going to tell you how, like how to like work more hours and spend less money. Right. It, it, you need some kind of tactical things to walk through. And we had walked through and we were on the other side of this and he just, he, he just kind of blew it off and, and to me over spiritualized it. And what happened was he, he then left, planted his own church, and um, and he didn't say this in like an arrogant way. He said this very, very humbly. He planted his own church. We then ended up taking hundreds, hundreds of people through the course, collectively paid off over a million dollars worth of debt as a wow. church. Right. And then like saved like half a million dollars in people's emergency funds and six months emergency funds. Right. So this like helped change the trajectory of like those people that many of which I'm still in, in contact and in community with. It was radical. The the, the like the. The sanctification of that. Like, if we're talking about sanctification, God needs access to our wallet. God needs access to my mental health. God needs access to these other aspects of me, right? Not And, and yes, the gospel is sufficient for salvation, and, and I, yes, I'm there. But the gospel also kind of forces me to act and live in a <laughs> sanctified manner, right, on this side yeah. of eternity with the time, talent, and treasure that he's given me, being born uh, in, a, in a communist nation and being in America. Like, oh, my gosh, the opportunity, but not understanding that wealth begets wealth and money's, you know. So— Again, maybe this is Calvinist or Reformed culture and not an indictment on the theology. But if there's a theology of like, this is your lot in life, God determines people to be wealthy or poor. God determines some people to be masters or slaves, right? Is is there a connection there to this like 
almost like, well, it just is what it is, man. You know, God just kind of, he just kind of, this is, this is how it is. And so why try to change your socioeconomic status? Why, why, because it's God's ultimately determined everything. Right. And again, forgive me if I'm butchering, you know, reformed theology. Maybe I am, maybe, and I'm also removed from like really immersing myself in it like that. So how do you, how, like, how do you, what's your response to that? Because uh, I don't know, because it's not everyone, but it was him, and it was where our church was at at the time. And uh, and so, how do, how do, yeah, how do you, like, how do <laughs> help me process that? Yeah, so, I, I mean, I think you're, so you've heard this phrase when it comes to, like, ethnicities, like, black people, we're not monolithic, or we're not monolithic, mm-hmm. right? So, sure. Calvinists aren't monolithic, you know, you, you know you're mm-hmm. going to have different people who emphasize different things. You're going to have different people who come from different angles and have different things that they emphasize and that's really a deeper issue about really what first corinthians 12 is like what part you know you're we're different parts of the body you know so Mm, we're not going to all have the same things the thing about that kind of stuff is the reason why i would push back i would more side with you okay and the reason why is because okay there's one there's a difference between god's sovereign and i know the future that God has prepared. Mm. There's a difference. So just because I may be poor now doesn't mean that that's what God has. I'm supposed to just stay that way, right? Come like on. I I get that in 1 Corinthians 7, it does highlight however you've come to know the Lord, stay in that place, right? Yeah. Yeah. But we got to look at the overall context of that statement to really yeah. do that. I don't know. So if you could say the same, people use the same argument with, South, with, with evangelism. Well, what's the point of preaching the gospel then right. if God's the one who saves them? Right. Right. Now, this is for me personally, right? Election and God's sovereignty and choosing people promotes evangelism to me mm-hmm. because now I know someone's going to believe, mm. right? Like and you, look at, you look at Acts 18, right? Paul was afraid to go to Corinth. Mm. The great mighty Paul was afraid, bro. Mm. And so mm. God appears to him in a vision and says, look, no one's going to harm you. Go preach the gospel. I have people in that city. He wasn't saying there's Christians there. He yeah. was saying there are going to be people who respond to your message that mm-hmm. I have chosen to believe. Yeah. So, and that gave Paul confidence to go to Corinth. That's Acts 18, right? So we don't know, just because I am this now, I don't know what God has planned out, right? I don't know. So my job, this is, this is you know, Romans 12, you know, uh, do not be conformed to the image of the world, but be transformed by the by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. Like, I don't know what the will of God is. For me, when I hear you talk about what you're doing, I think Galatians 6.10, as we have opportunity, do good to everyone, especially those in the household of faith. So how is that not an application of doing good yeah. to believers? And I think sometimes we get so theological that we forget that like this thing has to be lived practical. Yeah. I got to live like a human being around people who yes. are not theological, who are not yes. thinking theological. This is why Paul in Acts 17, he was philosophical in his gospel. And yeah. then in Acts 26, in front of Felix, King Felix, he shares his testimony. Come it on. wasn't all, you know, you know, in in Genesis, this, and it wasn't all theological. Yeah, they were yeah, like, yeah. no, let me use what I got to, to get the message out. And I think sometimes Calvinist or Calvinistic culture, Reformed culture, has this real sort of dogmatic way that this has to be done to please God. And it's like, fam, you don't know that. So I think these things that can help people be better stewards and really 
not have the, the, the financial burdens, which we know the enemy uses that significantly to cause divorces and mm-hmm. for people to really sin yep. like that to me, that's a, that's a skill set to me that I think is that's, that's biblical equity in, in what I call people think equity is like equal outcome and they push back against that. Biblical yep. equity is equal half some, right? Mm-hmm. That's what acts two was. Everyone gave what what do you need you need two cloaks and a belt okay give them two cloaks and a belt what do you need shoes and food for we yeah it wasn't everyone has the same thing it was everyone has something yes and so i think we need to bring our gifts man and our talents and that's you know and say hey if you can do that man do it at my church hey let me know brother we'll fly you in like yeah let's get it like let's do that because we can do more for the kingdom so i don't understand yeah reform people who think like we need to push back on these things i just don't get it yeah that's good. That's good. Um, and that's helpful. So so let's talk about kind of the, the, the history of what we've seen, like this modern reformed and restless movement mm. and what is seemingly which is seemingly could be like, you know, God forbid, but could be like almost another like great schism of the modern church today. Right. Uh, the church has a robust history, you know. Before the Reformation, you know, the, 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 all of these different branches, all of these, because people think like before the Reformation, like, oh, it's just Catholics, you know what I'm saying? Well, it was like, ah, it's a little more nuanced than than just that, that. you know what I'm saying? (laughs) And so now we have all these different Protestant denominations and the Reformed and Restless movement starts kind of bubbling up and it goes all the way back to, uh, uh, John Piper's talk at Passion in like the year mm. 2000, it was outdoors, it's raining, and he gives this talk about not wasting your life, and these women who, you know, died as as uh, tragically as, as missionaries, I think, and he's like, well, they didn't waste their life. Wasting your life is retiring and going and living in Florida. And so you kind of get this initial reformed movement here in North America, this revival of reformed theology, which was, which was a blessing to me, like to think deeper about these things. And it was good. Um, you were kind of on the front end of that. Like you helped bring hip hop to Piper's church. You were, you know, yeah, the seashells. Thank you. Thank you so much. The seashells. So tell us about like the little history of it and how, and, 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 and kind of where we got to now, because at one point it seemed like everybody was unified and then mm-hmm. as things started coming apart, we started seeing some of these faces even of this movement deconverting or deconstructing. Um, and it seems like there was a specific moment in time that that happened. So just give me some of the brief history, your interaction with it, because I think there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, brother, there really is. So let, let's let's make sure that we're, let me make, say this so that I'm, it's clear where I'm headed. The shift in the in the movement in the neo evangelical movement, which we, we call the Young Wrestling Reform Movement. Yep, that's really that's really Colin Hansen. He at the time, this is in 07, Colin Hansen wrote. Uh, he was an editor at Christianity Today, and he wrote a book called Young Wrestling Reform. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. contacted me because he knew of me through Sovereign Grace. I was affiliated with Josh Harris, C.J. Mahaney. I was on staff at the church that they that they went to. Okay, and, and so he we had talked about this, and I had Shy Lin was with me. I had, it was at a conference, and I had Shy come with me, and we did this interview. I think we're in like chapter six or seven of that book. Mm-hmm. But that that movement, the, the split of the schism that's happening is less theological mm-hmm. and more sociological. Okay. I think there were there were there were presumptions that were made. So let me back up. So when and by I, the way, Joshua I, Joshua Harris is the guy that wrote. 
I kiss, I kiss dating, dating goodbye. goodbye. Which, by the way, no, no, goodbye. yeah, yeah, and he kissed Jesus goodbye. By the way, at the time, I was like, this book is trash, and <laughs> and and, I, and like me and my wife were just starting dating, and I was like, this yeah. book is trash. This is this is, and and I remember, uh, was it the guy who wrote Boundaries responded almost and wrote yeah, a book called that. Boundaries and Dating, and we Man. took people through Boundaries and Dating because I was like, this is hogwash. Like this whole like yeah. I knew back then purity culture was was was, was problematic. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I, yeah. so 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 you're on staff with Joshua Harris. Uh, and, and, and yeah, go on. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted people to give context of who Joshua Harris is. So I, so I came out of out of out of the prison. I was locked up, and I and I really wanted to experience something real. I had been in the streets, and I was like, man, this isn't real. A lot of this stuff was all fake. All of this stuff, right? So I come out. My buddy gets saved in Miami, moves back to where we mm-hmm. live, and then I mm-hmm. start coming to this. To him, with him to these meetings, these singles meetings at this church called Covenant Life. It's a great big white church. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We're just gonna keep it up. We ain't gonna try to parse out this big white church, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I show up, uh, you know, just a straight ex gangster. So I'm, I'm, I'm processing all of this. Like, whoa, this is different. And and as I over time, I became a member of the church really because I feel like the Lord after a conference I went to. It was a conference of thousands of people, and I and they they told me they were gonna be girls there. I was single, so I was like, "Oh man, let's hit that joint." You know, say so, you know, yeah, I gotta yeah, face yeah. every mother with love. So I was like, let's, <laughs> "Let's hit that joint." So I show up, I walk into the auditorium, and it was like thousands of white hands up in worship, and it was like I felt like a pinch of pepper and a pound of salt. And I remember I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" And I was counting. This is when you know it's bad when you can count. Your ethnicity. Right. I was counting black people. I was like one, yeah, two, three. You know, it was just like this is crazy, right? Mm-hmm. But over time, I was like, these people are genuine about their mm-hmm. faith, even mm-hmm. if I'm different from them culturally. Mm-hmm. So I started to go to the church, and then I started to understand sort of the, this segment of white evangelical culture, mm-hmm. and I noticed that in that culture. There's a lot of people. So I, I I was rapping. I started to rap. I dropped an album in 05. And then Chuck Stedham, who was John Piper's worship leader, contacted me. He saw me rap at a conference, asked me to come rap at uh, Bethlehem Baptist. So October 2006, it was me, my DJ, who used, he used to run Lamp Mode, DJ Essence, Josh. Me, me, Esso. That, that was the to, Esso. To yeah, 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 yeah. That was Esso. It was me, Esso, and I had my other man who was from my yeah. church, Mike Wazowski. His name was Jake. So we used to travel together. So me and Jake, we were like the first people to like one of the first without a label. I wasn't on the label. It was just me. I was voice and they were with me. So we go to this church. We 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 rap at the church. And I noticed like, so after that, the video got on YouTube. Justin Taylor put it out. And then it, it went a little bit viral for back then. Like it kind of blew mm-hmm. up. I was in magazines. I was in all this stuff, radio. And I was like, wait a minute, man. I'm new at this stuff. Guys like Shy Lynn and other people, Christ-centric, you know, Evangel, to me, one of the greatest lyricists in secular or Christian top five. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. He was, I was like, these guys, you know, apologists making, these people have been doing this longer. So I started to introduce people. Hey, have you heard of these guys? And since Esso was with me, I'd be like, hey, give them your cards. Give them your business mm-hmm. card, man. So they mm-hmm. know. So pe- they didn't know about Shy Lynn. They didn't know about Lecrae back then. Because the mm-hmm. Cray was really doing the black church circuit. They mm-hmm. didn't know about that. None of these guys were getting the white money, right? They were all getting 
them them love offerings. I'm sure you mm -hmm. know about them love offerings at some of the churches, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So as I started to grow, I would mm -hmm. run into these theologians, these, these people, these conferences, like, hey, brother, how do we get African-Americans to come to our church? And mm -hmm. I would have these questions all the time. And I realized like, you know what, man, hip hop is a way that happens. So you had, you know, we had like snippets of John Piper and snippets of Paul. Well, we had snippets of these yeah. RC Spro, like yeah. Christ centric, bro. They had RC Spro snippets. Like you would get serious theology just listening to their albums, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that was happening. And so black people were getting a taste for this theology and were mm. like, yo, we need to start going to some of these churches and checking some of these things out. Yep. And so then you had uh, Mace Planted in 06, Epiphany yep. Fellowship. So this yep. stuff started to develop, right? Yep. So all was going, it was looking like, okay, man, black people are coming in to these majority white churches. White people were like, hey, we're growing in diversity. This is cool. Yeah. And, then, and then all of a sudden- Black I, pastors are being equipped with the Acts 29 equipped, network. Right. I was there early at that uh, Epiphany Church plant. I remember, I think, 07, right after Rebel came out. I don't know if you were at this event, mm -hmm. but they threw a huge block party. And Lecrae was performing. I was there. Yeah, so I we had there. the same event. I was with oh, Swift. I was, I was with yeah. Swift at that event, and uh, and I saw Fanatic again. So I met Fanatic yeah. in like '02 when I first got saved at a yeah. Miles McPherson Crusade. So I was kind of tapped in loosely. I wasn't right. reformed yet, but I was tapped into that to that whole community. Um, it and, was uh, all and happening, bro. We we as the breaks were always the liberal Christians back then. Like we was always y'all y'all the liberal Christians. I'm like, how we right. liberal? We don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't cuss. Like right. we, you know what I'm saying? So, but right. because we weren't reformed, that was that. So I didn't mean to cut you off, but go ahead. Yeah. So nah, I just nah, remember, I remember how dope it was to see actually not coming alongside and, and and empowering and platforming black leaders. You know, I thought that bro, was powerful. it was happening. And then on the other side, so you had Acts 29 doing it. And you had this happening, but then you had like conferences started happening. Mm -hmm. So you had T4G together for the gospel in mm -hmm. 06 happened. And it was basically a conference of just thousands of white dudes. And it was like Aussie Spro, John MacArthur, CJ Mahaney, Ligon Duncan, Mark Dever, and, and I'm missing one other per Oh, and, and Al Moeller. And mm -hmm. so at that conference, it was cool, but it was just a lot of just white dudes. And a lot of black mm -hmm. dudes was like, Man, feeling uncomfortable because it's just the reality. Culturally, like black people at the time were crossing a lot of cultural lines mm -hmm. and also experiencing like the critique of the black church. Like when I did mm -hmm. that, we, we we get a lot of critique of the black church and we would agree with some of those things. Mm -hmm. So this is happening, right? Mm -hmm. So then in T4G08, Thabiti, who was on staff at Mark Dever's church, Cap Bap in DC, mm -hmm. he gets mm -hmm. added to the teaching lineup. Mm -hmm. And his first sermon was basically that race is a social construct. Mm. I remember, because we, we hung out all of 06, me and Thabiti and my colleague who I, who I pastor with now. Yeah. So I had known Thabiti, we had maintained a friendship. He taught that sermon and black people were mad at this dude. Bro, mm. Because they were, ba he, they were basically, it sounded like he was saying, ain't no such thing as racism because race is, is the human race. not ever, But that's not what he was saying, but he was getting applause and everything and all of that. Things were going well, bro. We were we were we were doing conferences together. That at that point, Lecrae started to really blow up, and so he became. And then and then Shy was starting to grow in his platform. And then one once, so it was like, okay, reform rap is accepted in mm -hmm. white reform churches. Mm -hmm. And I was I paid a, a role in that by rapping mm -hmm. at Piper's church. So mm -hmm. I was glad to see this happen. And so I became a pastor in 08 and sort of stopped traveling and touring as much and doing stuff 
to kind of learn how to be a pastor. And so this is all developing, developing conferences every two years. All this is happening, right? Mm -hmm. Then 2012 happens. Mm -hmm. 2012 happens. All right. You get Trayvon Martin gets killed. Mm. And it was one of the first times. I think people have to remember when 9-11 happened, 9-11 took away the race relation challenge between black and white people and made it between American and Americans and um Taliban or Americans and, you know, uh, Arabs, whoever we yeah. thought were Radical the people, Islam. if you look yeah. like that, right? Yeah. And then you yeah. had Obama become president. So it seemed like the race relations in America were like, bro, this is coming together. The church was like growing and it's, and it's you know, acceptance of the culture of black music, you know, mm -hmm. hip hop at least. So this is all happening. 2012 hits, Trayvon Martin gets killed, right? And black people are affected by that. And you started seeing, po at that time, Thabiti was one of the only black dudes who had like a popular blog post on like Gospel Coalition. And so there were some other guys, Tony Carter was doing his things and some other guys, but Thabiti was kind of the main dude that a lot of people knew. So he was sharing some things in blog posts and you started to see these theologians almost like, well, that's not the gospel, right? Mm -hmm. It's not the gospel. And it was like kind of strange, like, huh? Like that's not the gospel, right? That same by way, year. But by the way, let me let me let me just let me just chime in real quick. Yeah, yeah. That, 2011, I'm at Rhetoric, P4CM, mm. Reformed Church Plant, Preston Perry, Jackie Hill Perry, Ezekiel, mm. and I'm sitting with their advisor, and he's and he's telling me like, "Yo, what do you what do you think about everything that's happening here with with everything we're doing with Rhetoric? Are you familiar with Rhetoric, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah." yeah. And I'm like, yo, I'm gonna keep it. I'm, I'm in a San Diego secular slam team. Like I'm slamming against Rudy Francisco, right? Oh six, oh seven, and I was, and he was like, yo, what do you think? And I was like, I think y'all need to talk about social issues more. And he was like, what do you mean? I said, I haven't heard anything about any social issue, and that's kind of the heartbeat of spoken word poetry. So it seems like this platform of spoken word poetry was take it was used, which is dope. But it's explicitly reformed theology poems, and that's yeah. it, right? That's like it. that's, no, that's, that's right. all the content was. And I said, "Are we? Are we never gonna?" And we we had poems back then where we like had these little social commentary as the breaks we were doing stuff. And I and you know concepts early on because I came from the San Diego spoken word. Like my my uh, co teammates is the professor. He's a doctorate now of sociology. This other guy's the head mm -hmm. of dean and so right. So this is like I'm immersed in this as well as like reformed reformed theology and this thing is happening and I'm mm -hmm. connected with you know uh, DJ official and, sh and, and and show Baraka and I'm just kind of like yo why don't y'all why is why are we not talking about this? Like why is there why is this conversation never coming up? And so I remember having that conversation, telling him straight up, like y'all don't talk about any anything socially related. Why? And he was just like, well, what do you mean we don't talk about? So we talk about abortion. And I was like, yeah, no, I mean like racism <laughs> or you know what I'm saying? Like it was so right. weird because it was like these two different worlds that I was a part of, and I didn't understand it. I didn't mean to cut you off. So 2012. No, 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 no. please do because I could talk yeah. all night. My wife would tell. No, no, this is good. This is a good. It's a good timeline. I think. I think this is going to help people. Yeah, so now, so it's funny you bringing that up. Shameless plug in 2012 as voice on the Christ the King album. I had a song called Black Church, White Church. Mm. And I was describing what I saw. This is before anybody was talking about this. I was describing basically the distinctions that I saw, that there was division yeah. and all this stuff. So yeah. I became one of the go-to guys to talk to about it because mm. I was a black dude at a predominantly 
Well, at this time now in 2012, I was at my church and it wasn't predominantly white as much, but it was a part of a family of churches, Sovereign Grace Ministries, that was predominantly white, middle-class, mm-hmm. upper-class church. Mm-hmm. So now we got 2012, Trayvon Martin happens. Black, some black people are starting to struggle with that, the, the, the implications of that. Because it wasn't just he got murdered, it was things that were being said about black youth that were yeah. affecting people. Right? Yeah, yeah. So there was some wild. Kind of like, Facebook hey, was wild right then. Wild, I was right? like, yo, like, he deserved it. You shouldn't have. Right. Like, fam, and there were And there crazy. were Christians and people who were riding with that stuff. So there mm-hmm. was something like, hey, what's going on here? You know I'm black, right? You know I'm affected by this, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, that's not the gospel, man. Like, we're... If they, you know, that Galatians three twenty seven. No Jew, no Jew. That stuff is that 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 verse has been used terribly. That verse mm-hmm. isn't to denote ethnicity. It's mm-hmm. to it's to talk about the the biblical equity, which is we're all the same in Christ, right? But it doesn't Amen. take away it. So anyway, so then that October propaganda drops precious Puritans, mm-hmm. right? He dropped. This is the first time hip hop really went at it. Mm-hmm. And Precious Puritans, as you know, wasn't even really a rap song. It was him talking over that beat with the slave mm-hmm. chains in the background and him. Mm-hmm. Pastor, do you realize theologians, white theologians got heated? Mm-hmm. Okay, they were heated because now you touching the Lord's anointed, right? You're talking about Jonathan, you, Jonathan Edwards and these people, they were on slave owners. And that hadn't mm-hmm. really been a, a, a mainline discussion. So as Prop brought that to the forefront, black people were like, yeah, now that he said that, we do kind of struggle with some of that, right? And you understand, black people have come to predominantly white churches and said, hey, we're going to, this is what people have to realize. When, you, when you're asking someone to come to your church, you're not asking them to come to the building. You're asking them to accept God the way you accept them, to hear from God the way you hear from them, mm-hmm. to apply God's word the way they, it's, it's a cultural shift. Right. And a lot of people that say, man, your culture doesn't matter, have never had to submit their culture to some another culture. So that happens. And then now there's a lot of people upset. People are writing blog posts and Sabidi is out there explaining back mm-hmm. and like trying to understand this is what pro- this is all you if you if anyone Googles like Sabidi uh, propaganda, blah, 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 you'll see these, these articles going back and forth with people on Gospel Coalition and stuff. Right. This is all documented. So. That happens, and once that happens, and they were really ba- saying these are men of their times, and they were protecting the like basically these are good slave owners protecting these men. John Piper was the only dude when Bloodlines came out. I got me and a couple of the guys got an advanced copy. He wanted us to look at it first, give him feedback, and say what do we think. Now mm-hmm. I didn't end up doing it because I was like I don't got time to read this book and do that, but I was I appreciated that he wanted me to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. But eventually, Bloodlines came out. Notice that book came and went. Mm-hmm. That book was one of his books that no one really talked about or touched. Mm-hmm. It is not in the top 10 list of most mm-hmm. bought books by John Piper, right? So, mm-hmm. so this now this is starting to really come to the surface. 2013 hits, and Thabiti and Douglas Wilson are having this public back and forth over Doug Wilson's book, Black and Tan, which is essentially praise God for slavery because black people became slaves. And Thabiti was basically, like, brother, you realize how insensitive that is? This is going back and forth. And at that time, some black people were like, hold up, man. How is it that it's not the gospel when we bring some of these concerns up, but it's the gospel when you talk about abortion or conservative mm. politics or mm. what's going on here? And, mm. and, and it started to look like, okay, you want the diversity of black people, but not the complexity of black people. Mm. And that's what it started to feel like for a lot of us. 
So that happens in 2013. We're starting to see. So then when, when Mike Brown happens in 2014, at that point, there had already been a shift of, okay, so it's not the gospel when it's issues that, it's the gospel when it's issues you care about, mm. right? But it's not the gospel when it's issues that we care about. And, and by we, I mean some black people. We're not monolithic, so there were definitely black people that didn't feel this way. There were definitely white people that didn't act that way, right? It's not the no one's mom. But there was enough of a force that when Mike Brown got killed and there was all this backlash from conservative Christians and pushing back, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a we no longer, we believe a different gospel. We're believing a social gospel now. You know what it was is, there were a lot of black people that were like, we no longer trust your application of the gospel. So we're not leaving. We're not leaving the church. We're yeah. not even leaving reformed theology. We're leaving your application of the gospel because it became clear this matters to us and it doesn't matter to you. Mm. And that's what a lot of it. And then that rift just grew Mm -hmm. and grew and grew and then names started to be called first it was your cultural marxist and then your oh, yeah. white supremacist social justice warrior social justice warrior and then all yeah. that stuff came and which is you know what's funny about all those terms like what what does the bible if i'm a social justice warrior what do i repent of like what am i what yeah. is what, how do i right. follow jesus if i'm a marxist the cultural marxist like what does that even mean what right. even white privilege like what are we talking about like right what, so if I'm if I got friends that are white, good friends, so what are they supposed to do? Like, what does that mean? Like, God yeah. sovereignly allowed that to happen, and so the, it, everything got one side got offended, and once both sides got offended for different reasons. I think people on one side got offended because they felt like you're not hearing the struggles that we're having, mm -hmm. and you're categorizing us in the same way that mm -hmm. really conservatives do, not even politicians. Mm -hmm. And conservative, this is how you know it's what I call the prosperous gospel, right? The prosperous gospel is the gospel of economic success. And it views anyone who's not economically successful as sinful, right? So when you're wow. when you when you talk about and that's that's it's the gospel of the American dream, right? It's, it's prosperous gospel. And a lot of Christians, a lot of Christians, theologians are, are are have submitted to this. So that's why you'll hear these critiques of the poor, right? You'll talk about the poor, about my tax dollars, the poor. Like, listen. Find a credible translation where the Bible is targeting and going after the poor. Find any credible translation where the Bible describes the poor as be, they're poor because of their circumstances, because they're lazy or because mm -hmm. they can't tie up their bootstraps. You don't find that. What you'll find is the rich are the ones who actually get warned by the Bible. The poor are the ones who God says, I care about you. And so poor people are here. To, so that Christians can demonstrate God's love and care for them and their socioeconomic status, right? So you see this, this, this. But, but when you're not successful, it becomes oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a moral issue. Mm. Oh, it's because we're the fatherless is in the home. Okay, let's talk about fatherless is in the home. That's another category where God cares about the fatherless, right? James one, like true religion is what the care for orphans, fatherless, and widows, right? So you see this shift happening where a lot of white conservative evangelicals are really fusing sort of American morality and Christian morality mm. and, and, and really have a theological gospel, a theopolitical gospel and a biblical one. Holy smokes. So this is all developing. And then you yeah. have guys on the other side 
who were like, okay, we're trying to stand up for issues of justice that the church historically hasn't really done the best job of. Not that it wasn't there, but it wasn't, like prime example, 1964, when people talk about systemic racism, when did it end? 1964, civil rights legislation. Okay, cool. All right. So then why did it take the largest denomination in the in America, the Southern Baptist, 31 years to actually apologize for it? So in 1995, at their 150th anniversary, they do a resolution against racism and acknowledge that they had been wrong and that their, their whole denomination was started based on racism. That's 31 years after systemic racism ended, right? So the yeah. church is always behind the eight ball, bro. Yeah. But because we have truth, we act like we're in front of it. And yeah. so all this confusion started to happen. People were going in different directions, not different gospels, but different ways that we're going to apply the gospel. And really, that's just straight First Corinthians 12. The right. arm, the foot, the head, the neck. Right. But because right. Reformed theology, you alluded to this, can be so stringent, it's almost like everyone has to be a foot. And that's where we're at now, right? So it's falsifiable conviction. If you don't care about abortion, then you're not, a, you, it better be, the, if you don't care about racism, then how, di it's like, listen, fam, I don't got to care about abortion or racism as the greatest thing. That might not be where I'm led. I might be led over here. Mm -hmm. I might be led there. I know, I know pastors, man, sh shout to them, who go to abortion clinics and preach. I've never done it in my life. Mm -hmm. I've never done a sermon series on abortion. I don't think I've done a, a sermon on abortion, mm -hmm. but I think, I think it's deplorable. I hate it, but I'm not called to that. But there are people to be like, see, you're not. And that's, that's where we're at now. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. we are trying to control people's convictions with a prosperous gospel. That's not biblical. And we're using race as sort of the microcosm or the excuse, but really it's not about race at all, man. It's about, who controls people's convictions and who determines what economic success is. That's why all these conversations are about reparations, about redistribution, about mm. equality versus equity. All this stuff is all couched in financial terms wow. because that's what the Lord is really exposing what people really care about. Wow. Now, I know wow. I said a lot, but but this is this this this, this yeah. is all how this all just sort of kind of happened in this way and this is how i see this stuff we talk about on cross-examine we yeah. see it and i was yeah. behind the scenes and saw it develop and, and i'm still friends with a lot of these dudes it's like wow bro wow this is crazy right now what the church is what do you what do you make sense how do you make sense of what's happening now um mm -hmm. and and, and, I, and i'll give you a, like i'll give you a very specific uh a very specific thing in a second but and by the way if you guys don't know kurt kennedy is one of the only people that I know of that I've seen go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Vody Bakum. You guys could search Kirk Kennedy. It's on uh, Christ Over the Culture Conference. Or yeah, that Christ, was Greater than, Christ Greater Than Culture too. It's at wrathandgrace.com. Yeah, and, and you're on a panel outnumbered may i say <laughs> you just like chopping you got uh tip was it timothy brindle tim and, brindle and vody and me and and vody uh are going back and forth of this and you guys could look that up for yourselves but i i saw uh this shift happen where i'm hype, hyper entrepreneurial hyper responsibility hyper go and build a small business right get out of debt like clean your life up love your wife right like and then i remember after george floyd 
I, I, I did like a series and I was like, listen, like here are the issues. Here's what's happening. Trying to just help people process it. And I started getting calls like, bro, like you're pushing cultural Marxism. Like you're, pu- you're pushing Marxist idea. I'm like, first of all, fam, like I come from a real communist nation. Like you want to talk right. about communism. I come from Soviet Russia. Do you understand how insulting and offensive it is to tell me that I'm like, I'm a asymptomatic communist when I'm, the majority of my content is helping people build generational wealth, referring people to the to the baby steps. Like, so I, I was so, it was irritated by that. And then, and then the term switched. Then it went from cultural Marxism to CRT. Hmm. Ruslan, that's that critical race theory. And I'm like, race theory. okay, I remember there being something about that in the sociology class mm. or two that I took a couple years ago. And I think my sister, who's in law school, mentioned this this thing she took called critical race. And, and all of a sudden now I have to, like, all of us got to become experts on this thing called critical. And then, and then come and find out the timeline was Chris Rofo literally was like, woke is too broad of a term. So right. we're going to take critical race theory. And, and literally, he said this publicly. There's an article by The New Yorker. Him in the article. Not slander. Not This is him saying this. I took something that was focused enough, but, but, but made it so broad and conflated it because we needed something to weaponize. And then the White House gets behind it. And all of a sudden, there's this, we're not doing these trainings anymore. We're taking away... And everybody, and, and, and it became this really big thing. It became another culture war against critical race theory, which a lot of us vaguely have heard of or had never heard of prior to that. And it was really bizarre. So my question to you is, I say all that to say, what do you make sense of what's happening now? And, and how do you process this? Because it seems very uh, angry. It seems very, mm-hmm. let me just dunk on everybody that even acknowledges that there may be some issues with racism. Uh, let's not talk about solutions. Let's just talk about how you're wrong for being uh, an asymptomatic Marxist or ascribing to critical race theory, which I don't really ascribe to, by the way. Like, there's some good in there. Race is a social construct. That's yeah. critical race theory, right? Uh, so, wh- how, like, what do you, what do you make all, what do you make, what do you, how do you make sense of all this today, of what's happened in the last year? So, so let me get in my Calvinist bag real quick, right? So I think of, okay, God, here's where I start. And I feel like I'm disappointed that I feel like a lot of theologians, these guys going back and forth, voting included, I've talked to these guys. These guys are, to me, all, it's all a prosperous gospel to me, to be honest. Mm. It's a God, because even, even cultural Marxism, CRT, all these things are worried about the impact of, on American society economically first, right? That's where all this is stemming from, and that's why there's a fear of socialism and all these things. Don't get me wrong; I'm not. I'm. I'm with capitalism. I'm with it, but I also know that there are Christians that thrive in any socioeconomic reality that God has has them in. They can thrive. You can still glorify God, even if our country went full socialism. Mm-hmm. I can still honor the Lord and hear, "Well done, thy good and faithful servant." Mm-hmm. If there's if there's redistribution of stuff like that, but I'm, I, even though I advocate for it, but I start with, "Okay, Lord." Why are you allowing this to happen? That's where mm. I start. Mm. And it's not like I hear from God like, well, Curtis, um, no, well, my son. No, what I do is I think, okay, I look at Ephesians 5.11, expose the deeds of darkness. Mm. So I think, okay, Lord, what are you exposing in mm. the church? I'm not worried about the world. 
I'm not mm. talking about the non-believing world. They're going to be who they're going to be. But Lord, what are you exposing about the church? What, what's the fruit of the flesh that we see coming out? Hmm. And, you know, one thing about Reformed theology, and I know some people got mad at me for saying this, but I'm Kirk Kennedy. I'm, a, I'm, 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 I'm for the smoke. Like, I'm with it, especially if it's true. And if you listen to Cross-Examine, you know where you can't handle the truth podcast, me and Strack. Mm-hmm. But the reality is this, like, in all of Reformed theology, and you may, maybe you know this, where do you see a robust teaching on loving your neighbor? Hmm. Brother, if you go on Amazon right now and try to Google like love, you'll find one book from John Piper and one or two other books. Like, Mm. and then I've asked pastors and where do you go in the Bible when you're looking for love? Right. Mm -hmm. They said, well, what what theologians, what do you think? Well, no, I go to the Bible for that. Right. Think about this for a second. The the loving your brother. Right. That is a fundamental aspect of conversion. Knowing the tulip is not mm. proof of conversion. But if you go to 1 John 4, right? And it says, look, if you do not love your brother whom you have seen, then you cannot love God whom you haven't seen. So what you see this, even as theological as we are, the weakest thing Reformed theology is, is, is good on is love. Mm. Loving your neighbor as wow. yourself, not just yeah. God. It's missing. It is yeah. fundamentally missing. And you know the reason why I think it's missing? Because how can you make that a fundamental doctrine when you have slaves? Mm. Because you're now doing the opposite of the very thing that you think is a fundamental doctrine. And love, brother, is not, not is non-negotiable to God. Yep. It's, yep. it's a proof of genuine conversion. So what I see the Lord doing is he's revealing a true lovelessness among those who profess to be the church. So this is why you'll see You'll see people developing social media platforms that slander and mock other believers. Mm. I'm watching people call people, you stupid, you glory ho, you did. I mean, I'm talking, talking to other believers, like people that you're going to, you may spend eternity with. You're watching this erosion of not the doctrines of grace, but the character of grace. See, see, a lot of people are not going to fall away from the doctrines of grace. They're yeah. falling away from the morality that grace says have. When you look at 2 Timothy 3, that list is not a list of in the last days there will be abuse of the parents, ungodly, ungrateful. Mm-hmm. They're not talking about non-Christians. <laughs> Paul's <laughs> listing the actions and attitudes of yeah. Christians. Wow. So you, you're seeing this develop in our day and age where it's like, wow, bro. Like, prime example, let's say you did agree with critical race theory, right? You're going to have all these people make videos about you. And it's like this, bro, why are you so offended? You don't go to their church, Ruslan. You're not their yeah. pastor. You're not. Yeah. Why are they so offended? There's no one in their church saying, hey, I'm influenced by Ruslan and think. So why are you so why are you making multiple videos about you or about things that I've said? Like, why does it bother you so much, fam? Right. Like. I'm not your pastor. You're not in my church. Mm-hmm. If you think I'm woke, why are you making a video about me? For what? And I think it's because we've changed the definition of love. And this is where I think Vody has not been helpful, where he has this contend for the faith mantra. But I think what it's creating is people being contentious mm-hmm. about the faith. It's not contending, defending truth. It's being contentious towards that truth. And so now everyone's free to just 
mock and and make fun of and and belittle people on Twitter and and God's just all He's doing is just exposing it and mm. saying, "Look at who you really are, church. Mm. Look at who you really are. All of this stuff is really about that." And so I'm just like, "Wow, Lord." So I'm trying to, and the people that I'm around, we're trying to listen. I'm a I'm a strong dude. I'm with it. But that doesn't mean I'm not afraid of conflict. I'm just not trying to always be in conflict mm. because that's not biblical. I'm not afraid of it, though. Like, I got, yeah. I've been shot at point blank range. So I'm not afraid of nobody, but I'm also not just trying to go around like, oh, looking for the next fight, looking for the next. And I see people out there looking for the next uh, the next thing, always tweeting this, tweeting this. It's like, brother, that's a fellow brother of yours. Yeah. and. Yeah you're going to be judged by your statements towards that brother. Mm. And you might even prove yourself not to be a brother. People have to remember when Jesus said this in Matthew, when he said, forgive us our debts as we also forgive others our debtors, right? Matthew 6. But then in verse 13 and 14, he said, if you forgive others your debts, God will forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their debts, then neither will your debts be forgiven. Mm. So I think that we have to be careful about it, but I think this idea of love, lovelessness is missing to the point where people that I used to think were solid people, believers, mm. now just make Facebook posts calling other people believers stupid and all of this over like differences of political views. Yeah. It's like fam, God's not a Republican, fam. Yeah. And God's not a Democrat. It ain't gonna be we ain't voting in heaven. You know what I'm saying? Like it ain't so I, to me it's just all of this stuff is just so that's one way I look at it is just like God is revealing a lovelessness within the church and the church is so offended horizontally that they're missing that they're offending God. We're offending God vertically. Whew, that's heavy, man. And, 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 the, and the tough part is then you, 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 you want to respond you know, and, and you, but you don't because that's not loving either, right? Responding yeah. out of... Well, it depends offended. on how you respond. Yeah, sure, sure. It, it yeah. depends that. And so the 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 notion the, the, there also seems to be this notion. You could tell me if I'm if I'm if I'm off in this, but it also seems to be this notion that we're allowed to misrepresent, conflate, mm -hmm. slander even people we disagree with or non Christians, right? Even mm -hmm. even even that to me is wild. Right. That to me is wild. So it's like if we want to sit down and have a, 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 a grown up conversation about the issues that Kendi or D'Angelo is talking about, Robin D'Angelo, right, fragility. Right. We could do that. And I could tell you there's some trash in that book. Majority trash. of it is, is trash, fam. Right. Like, and we could talk about Kendi, Kendi's, uh, uh, hey, to, to be anti-racist, you have to be anti-capitalist. You know, trash. Don't know, fam. No, no. Right. <laughs> But when you start taking folks who aren't a part of that, folks that aren't seeing these things, and start saying some some things that they've just never said and conflating, and then now critical race theory is this massive term. And then, like, I just recently found out that the founder, Derek Bell, was an active church member. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just like... Mm -hmm. <laughs> like fam, right. like this is Whoa. this is wild. Like, and so we're just saying these things about people flippantly and misrepresenting them and conflating them. And well, critical race theory teaches that there's oppressors and the oppressed, and there's only two classes. No, it doesn't. I haven't seen that in critical anti-racism does, and that's mm -hmm. trash to, to just categorize people by their race and call them oppressor yeah. or, or oppressive. 
You know what I mean? So I think it's like yeah. the, the 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 willingness to just like say whatever you want with no real research, with no real framework understanding is is so disheartening because I feel like it, it it's not a it's it's still lying even if you don't know you're lying. <laughs> like even if you I heard this person say so therefore I'm gonna run with it. No, 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 no. You're still bearing false witness because right. you don't know what you're talking about, right? And there's real things we could talk about. We could really talk about the dangers of some of Kendi's ideas. We could really talk about yeah. the dangers of some of these things. Um we could talk we could we could we could sit here and talk about it. And I've been I've been vocal about all kinds of different things. But I think that that to me is frustrating is is that we just we just say, say these things and there's no consequence. Like, and even when uh, Neil Shinvi responded and agreed that, like, yo, fault lines, yeah, there's some real serious issues here with this book. You know, plagiarism. And, like, in this sermon, he says he used the word unrighteous, right? Um, he got dragged. Like, the one guy that's being objective gets dragged by the rest of the community. And I'm like, fam, like, this guy's on your side. Like, right. like he's on your team, and, and even he's kind of backed up, you know, about from uh, not wanting to debate critical race theory, but he wants to only debate, I think, critical social justice, right? Which I, I don't even know what that is. Like, that's a whole new thing that I've just learned mm-hmm. about. So, um, what do you, like, what do you, because I think there's a spectrum, right? Like, there's a spectrum in being anti-racist. There's a spectrum in critical mm-hmm. race theory. There's a spe- there's a spectrum in, in, in the MAGA community, right? Everybody that voted for Trump isn't a part of QAnon, right? Everybody that, <laughs> that values... Uh, some aspects of critical race theory isn't freaking uh, uh, Kim D trying to dismantle capitalism and destroy the nuclear family. How do you navigate some of these conversations? Or do you, or do we not? Like, do we not navigate them? Do we just say, you know what, fam? Y- y- y'all can have it, bro. Like, I'm just gonna go over here, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna help people, and I'm gonna preach the gospel, and I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do, and I'm not even gonna acknowledge you, jokers, because you're, because if I, we let y'all talk long enough, you'll expose yourself. Yeah. <laughs> some some people still can't see that exposure though. That expose, they can't see it. Yeah, brother, I, I feel like when it comes to this type of stuff, I think you I think there's a number of different ways we just have to respond. There are gonna be some things that we're more drawn to and we're gonna speak to. So you have a platform and you address some of the things that kind of get to you, you know. You right. pick your topics based on things that you want those who listen to you to know because of that reality, right? Mm-hmm. I do the same thing on cross-examine. Me and Strack, you know, we talk about issues and we go in and try to explain what we think is happening also in ways that I think are different than the way people are doing it because I think people are so offended and so jaded that you don't have the discernment now even to mm-hmm. explain things a certain way because of you're so offended. So I think a lot of this stuff, man, to me is, you use the word spectrum, I think that's the right word, bro. I think Mm -hmm. CRT is a spectrum and you're going to have some people, believers, I mean, I'm not even talking about non-believers at this point. Believers are going to be on that, on the one end of the spectrum that think this is useful and helpful Mm -hmm. to help me understand some dynamics. Yeah. You can say, well, the Bible is all I need to know. Yeah. Right. Well, keep that same energy when your chest hurts. What Mm -hmm. verse do you read when you have back problems? You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? What verse do you, this is, that's not what the Bible is for. The Bible is not, a book for everything. That's why you discern what the will of the Lord is because everything isn't obvious what to do. At what age do you baptize? Okay, if you're Presbyterian, when they're babies, but if you're not, then what age, if you believe in believer's baptism, what age, five, seven, 10, what age are you, ba- you know, these things are just not clear. Am I, is it Christian school, public school? Which They're just not clear, right? The Bible is not, that's not what the Bible's for. So 
when you think about it in that way, you understand like, okay, there's there's room here, there's nuance here, there's this and there's that. There's ways to process some stuff. So some stuff I'm going to be drawn to and I'm going to speak to. Some stuff I'm just going to ignore because as you say, it's just goofy. Like I'm not going to get in to the goofy stuff because, and some stuff I ignore, not because I don't think I can contribute, but I just don't think I'm mature enough to engage in conversation with you and not be drawn to sin. Cause I'm from that. Yeah. Like all these keyboard gangsters, you know, that you might run into me or somebody at a conference and I yeah. may struggle with issues like anger and, and all of that <laughs> that you don't. Don't assume that every believer is just right. going to be all good when you see him. You say enough stuff about a person, yeah. you run into them at a conference and they might right. bust you in your mouth and then ask you yeah. for forgiveness, right? So yeah. <laughs> I think sometimes we're just, we got to realize that, okay, some stuff I'm just not even mature enough yeah. to deal yeah. with. So I'm yeah. going to let it go because I don't want right. to damage the grace that God's given me and yeah. you not worth damaging that, right? Yeah. Yep. But I think a lot of this is, again, it's just what we were talking about earlier, brother. This is really a control for conviction. Like mm-hmm. it's about like, and it's it's tribes, but it's deeper than just tribes. It used to be tribes, red and blue. But now within that red tribe, other people got more tribes within that tribe. And within mm-hmm. that blue tribe, they got more. It's a lot of it like you need to think the way I think about this or you're not a believer. It's on mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I think, again, that gets to the deeper issue of a lovelessness yeah. and, a, and, and a lack of grace. I mean, some of these things are Romans 14 issues, brother. Come on. They're Romans 14 issues. Yes. Like, all right, yes. we just disagree. So when I'm yes. around you, I'm going to try to serve you. I'm yeah. not tripping. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it. Like, but, but one of the things that social media has done in a false way is it's made us all feel like we're all the church. And because I can see you and interact with you and maybe even have you respond to me, that somehow we're connected. But there's not a relation. There's people that I know through social media. It's like, fam, I've never talked. I've talked to you on the phone more than some people who followed Mm -hmm. my and listened to me and feel connected to me through social media. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, you don't know me really, fam. You know what I present to you. So yeah. You know, social media kind of makes us feel like, hey, we can just correct each other and, and show a lack of grace and all this because we know that. And it's like, fam, that's not how it works, bro. Yeah. That's yeah. not how it works. Like we there's a way to do these things. And there and when I, and if I can't do them, I just I just avoid them because a lot of it is just it's not biblical. It's not it's not um, it's not helpful. It's not healthy. Yeah. And then I don't think in the grand scheme of it that it really honors the Lord. And that's what we're supposed to be about. Yeah. And 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 a lot of these things I might agree with you on once right. you play out the idea. So it's one thing to say, like, like here's something that I'm sure you and me agree on. Don't categorize people into groups of oppressor or oppressed. Right? Like, like, don't do that. So all white people aren't oppress, oppressors and all black people aren't oppressed. And in that case, some black people that oppress. <laughs> and, and, and so we, we would look at that and be like, yeah, like, yeah. that's bad. Don't do that. Right. right. But 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 the 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 notion that that is what the this group teaches and because you find some utility in saying, well, race is a social construct, and this is the, that therefore you're now endorsing everything this group teaches. And not only that, you're now endorsing Marxism, and now wow. you're you're endorsing the dismantlement of America as we know it. When, when the when the phobia is always they hate you and want to see you dead, like that's when we just we we, we escalate things to. So so like 
the, the here's the thing, bro. I bet you if we sit down, the majority of the stuff we would agree on, like the ideas. My yeah. issue is the the way one side is speaking about the other side. Is to your point, it, it is very loveless because I don't. I think that I think there it, there are some folks that yes, they take the wild extreme and they think all white folks are racist, right? right. But I would say that's a French perspective. I would say that's a right. French perspective. I don't think the I don't think the majority of my black friends who love Jesus, let alone my black friends who don't love Jesus, are walking around saying all white people are racist, all white people are oppressors, right? right? And so then when the argument is inf- conflated to be that, it's like, wait a minute, like who? Who are we talking about? Because I don't know these people. And I got a lot of black friends and family, and they don't say all white people. Matter of fact, they have other white friends that, that voted for Trump and are on some MAGA energy, and they still love them. We just, God, we're just not going to talk about that. Like, we're not going to talk about Trump because, you know, I don't really – and you just you just, you just maintain that well, fellowship. Well. So I think that's the part that, that's frustrating to me um, in that because I do see an actual injustice. Like, I see something that isn't right about that even though the end the end the final idea I, I me and you would probably agree on you know Vody would agree on whoever we would agree on but we're conflating it to say everyone who leans this way believes everything that and nothing is like that like i have a therapist that doesn't mean i think that therapists who tell people that masturbation and pornography is okay should be celebrated no i reject that even though i have a christian therapist who's a licensed psychologist loves jesus and helps me right <laughs> like yeah, right. so some interesting how it gets conflated like that but when you, brother but when you're trying to control people's convictions then you don't then you don't want the holy spirit to do that so if I'm trying to control your convictions and make you think the way I think, one of the ways you do that is to categorize people in groupthink. I mean, this is mm. this is the return to Babel, right? Mm. I mean, the, in, in Babel, you got Sheesh. you got you got all the people were of one mind and one voice, right? Like that's and and when they did that, what did they do? They disobeyed God. So you have this. One of the tactics of the enemy is to try to get people to be thinking in these multiple, these big group ways because then you'll influence people. Mm. And that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Like Jesus didn't all, remember in John 6, they were coming to make Jesus king and he was like, nah, I know what's going on here. And then he gives them a hard teaching and people start walking away. It's like, nah, this idea of trying to control people's convictions and get all these people to think the same way, that's the challenge and that's what's happening Yep. And, and if I can get you to think the way I think about it, then you disciple other people. And mm-hmm. so there's no room for the Holy Spirit to bring conviction. I remember at the conference that I did with Tim and Vody, Tim was real big on this whole idea of white guilt, right? Yeah. And I said, so he was talking about white, and, and he experienced that. For, and I was like, okay, cool. I said, after that, I said, listen, I agree with Tim that white guilt is wrong. You shouldn't feel guilty because you're white. I said, but be careful. Because I know white people who felt bad when they watched George Floyd get killed on through that on, with the, through whatever cell phone, whatever it was, mm-hmm. because they had been dismissive of the mm. things that black people were bringing up and now felt like, wow, this does happen. It's not just he's resisting arrest or he's he's on the ground. Being yeah, there was held no excuse. Down. Yeah, there yeah. was no excuse. Even the Ben Shapiro acknowledged that, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there were white people who felt guilty about certain things, and I said, "Listen, guilt is one of the one of the ways the Holy Spirit works. It's called conviction, right? Come on. So, if it's condemnation, 
That's yes. different. But conviction is different. Conviction says, hey, this was wrong. Yes. And let's not stay thinking and acting like this. Amen. Condemnation says this is wrong and you're nothing. You're terrible because you've done it. Those are different things, man. Those are different Come things. On. That's and so I good. think Go ahead. And I was going to say people are just con- confusing conviction with condemnation. It's like, listen, there are times I, I think I, I felt a certain way. Let me tell you something. When those Dallas police officers got murdered mm-hmm. uh, shortly after Mike Brown, Mm-hmm. Right, they, he, this dude killed like three of them, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pretend, man. Even as a believer, I'm not going to pretend. I come from a street background. I've seen police do a lot of cruddy things. I don't have any real, ain't no love lost for me and police, right? Mm-hmm. But as a Christian, I recognize they're made in God's image. Amen. I have cops that go to my church that I love, but they, but I have personal relationships with them. As an as an entity. I don't think a cop getting killed is far worse than a dude on the street. I don't think like that. Mm-hmm. But when, so when that happened right after Mike Brown, I remembered like thinking these three cops got killed and I didn't really struggle with it, even though I knew it was wrong. Then I saw one of the cops, they had, they, someone showed, had a picture, I forgot the article, of him holding his newborn baby. Oh. And then I Then it wept. hit you, yeah. Because I was like, wow, I got three boys mm-hmm. and I can't imagine having the, my life snuffed out and not being able to see. And I don't know what the Lord's will is. I'm, I'm not guaranteed to see them get married and all these things. But I just thought about him as a person, as a dad. And I yeah. wept, bro. Yep. I wept. And that's yep. the, so th- there, there's something, there, it, it, there's a difference there, right? It's just, there's personal, there's all this stuff. But when you see all this happening, it's just like, Man, I'm, it's my heart is growing hard, yep. and I have to fight against this mm. by staying in the Word and by remembering these people are made in God's image. And I'm not trying to control your conviction. I want yeah. I want you to have biblical conviction. And as a pastor, it's my job to sometimes present material for the Spirit to use for that. Yeah. But it's not my job to try to condemn you because you disagree with it. There are times people have went against my counsel and they and they, and what I said was going to happen, happened. And I won't be like, see, I told you. You right. ain't listening to your pastor. I was like, you know what? Listen, come on back. Yeah. Welcome home. Let's, let's, let's work this yeah. out. And that's I think so that's good, what's man. missing, bro. And I think it's, and it's also just like based on experience. If you've only had mm-hmm. positive experiences with police officers, right? And, and you're going to think don't, that way. Un- yeah, but you're not you're not going to view view it in the same way based on the life experience, or if you have never been down and out where you there was no way and you didn't know how you were going to figure it out and you didn't have access and there weren't pathways and you're not going to have the same degree of empathy for somebody that comes from an environment where like, well, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's like how, fam? Like, I don't even got do no go? boots, bro. I ain't got no boots, <laughs> you know right? Some Martin Luther King Jr. Mean? quote. Yeah, I don't got yeah. no boots. So uh, let's do a couple questions before we get out of here. This is an yeah. interesting one. Shout out to my man Jeff. He said, can you ask if he's right online with Shaolin's new book on CRT, The New Reformation. I did not know Shaolin, and I kind of hinted at the, another schism happening, but is this accurate? Shaolin is writing a, a, a book on this topic? Well, he's written a book recently on, you know, racism, race relations, and stuff like that. Uh-huh. I haven't read the book, so okay. I don't know what I've heard people who've read it. Like I was, at, as a matter of fact, I was in a studio yesterday, mm-hmm. and my buddy who read it, my man, apologist from Christ Centric, shouts to apologist and Christ Centric. Mm-hmm. He read it and said he thinks it's the best book on this topic. 
wow. on racism better than fault line, better than all these. So I'm gonna trust apologists. I'm gonna trust his him and say that's that's the it's it's a good book. And I know Shy personally. Yeah. So yeah. I know how Shy comes at some of these things. I just yeah. haven't read the book because I'm writing some stuff and I've been reading too much. So, but from what I've heard, I think Shy has a good understanding and a good way out. The thing is, what's the way out? Everyone's discerning about what the problems are. But where are the people who are offering biblical solutions? Yeah, 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 man. And I, I didn't know he wrote that book, so that's actually really exciting. Um, d- despite <laughs> being Shah's run-ins over the years, uh, <laughs> that dude has always been super solid and, and, and super solid, gracious humble and brother, super man. loving. Solid, humble Gr- dude, great, man. great person. So um, uh, where somebody asked, where can we find... This is good. Where can we find some of Kurt's songs? Brother sounds like he got bars. <laughs> so I appreciate that. So if you go on iTunes, look at Kurt Kennedy. There's there's an album that I still in that I when I put out music because I don't have a bigger platform, mm-hmm. I typically don't put it for streaming initially mm-hmm. because I have enough people that'll buy it. They're like, hey, we'll buy it, and then eventually yep. I release it for streams. Yep. Because I I'm, and I'm just trying to recoup. I'm not trying to. I'm past. The, but I still do music. To, yeah, yeah. I got a new album dropping called Serial Killer Smiling Pictures in September. That's hard. But, That's a hard title, by the way. Oh, That's yeah. The mean. album's crazy, bro. Yeah. I'll talk to you yeah. about that another time. Yeah, we got to have uh, you back on after the album drop to promote that. Yeah, but so you go to iTunes, look up Kirk Kennedy. My my The album that started this really that was the, the bombshell for many people for me is called C4. Mm-hmm. And that you'll see that on iTunes. You'll see the okay. appendixes on iTunes. Frustrated Christian, uh, chapter two, chapter one is not back on there, but it'll be, but if you go to Kirk Kennedy and if you, or you can go to Kirk Kennedy.com, I have links to a lot of stuff on, on my music, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm deep. I'm deep in the music as well. I talk deeply about these things. C4 and appendix will be a lot for anybody listening to those. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Alexander for the generous super chat. I appreciate you. You said love from Rhode Island. This is an interesting question. I'm not hip on this. Maybe you are. Any thoughts on Boston's on Boston police's reform that seems to have helped race issues and also decreasing crime levels? Are you familiar with what's going on? I, in, I am uh, familiar with some of it, and I think shouts okay. to Boston police reform. Okay. So I think what people have to realize is like I don't. So everything is a spectrum. I think if people thought everything is a spectrum, we could actually have some sanity and figure out, okay, where are you at on the spectrum? Yes. Defund the police for some people means get rid of them. Stupid. That's not always what it means for most people, though. (laughs) But that's a stupid idea. That's stupid. Like, Like, why would you get rid of police? We need police, fam. Dumbest thing ever, (laughs) bro. Like, what in the world? I'm from the hood. Like, we need the police. You know, people act like, man, snitches get stitches. Yeah, well, snitches save lives too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, the reality is, like, we need it. But I think there needs to be real hands on the ground reform. And I think you have to understand. And this is just real. There is a pathology that black people are prone to violence and criminality that I think is very pervasive in the police force. Yeah. yeah. And that pathology is interesting because when you think about American history as a whole, well, if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about ethnicities, well who what ethnicity has been prone to violence and criminality as America as a whole? It's been dudes that look like you, Ruslan. So yeah. Again, I think what Boston is doing is taking seriously practical ways it can win the trust and make some changes. Yeah. And it's not just Boston. There's um, 
Oh, what, what city is that? There's a couple other cities. And I'm like, wow. Cam- Camden, New Jersey, thing. I think is the biggest uh, success story of what happened in Camden. They're doing their thing, man. Yeah, and I Camden think we need really good. that because yeah. we have to understand that the relational <laughs> dynamics between... Because, you know, have you ever seen the SWAT team go into uh, uh, Wall Street and, and, and put guns, multiple right. guns in the faces <laughs> of people who embezzle millions right. of dollars from people? Right. Right. And who wrote? No, you don't see that. You see SWAT teams going in with tanks and military outfits, getting trained by Israel's army to yeah. go in to fight these people who are mostly poor. Yeah, like you got a dude, yeah. you got one dude, you're looking for a gun, and you got 18 dudes with semi you know, automatic yeah. weapons pointed. There needs to be some changes, and so I support that. I, I, I applaud that. Yeah, and I think that's the tough. So, so, so the tough part for me, and this is why I get so triggered, and I, and I'm acknowledge, I acknowledge that it's my flesh a lot of times. I get triggered because when we conflate, when we misrepresent, when we bear false witness, when we take all these detours about commonsensical things that as, mm-hmm. as believers, I feel like as image bearers of God, we should all, all agree. Like all white people aren't racist. All black people yeah, aren't oppressed. Crazy. All black people don't have a victim mentality, right? Mm-hmm. When we go and do all, the, all this other stuff, we get in the way of actual meaningful conversation about reform. 100. 100. And if we can talk about reform, then we can sit and say, okay, yes, defund the police. Stupid name, terrible name. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what it means. That's a spectrum. What, what do we align on? Oh, A can't wait. Man, I like A can't wait. Okay, no, I, well, I don't like this part of A can't wait. Well, don't, why don't you like it? Oh, I think some chokeholds are positive and can be useful to some police and certain. Okay, cool. You see what I'm saying? So now, instead of unpacking solutions, we're just talking about all of these other issues that get in the way of actual solutions. Um, and I and I got a solution. I'm about, I want to bounce off of you because you said like, mm-hmm. where do we go from here? And I got a solution that I that I'm curious to hear your thoughts on. Um, yeah. uh, there's a question that came in, and I don't like talking about this stuff specifically, but I, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. This is a, 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 a friend of the channel. Uh, Jeff asked, is Kurt friends with J- Joseph Solomon? And any thoughts on his recent announcement? I don't know if you know who Joseph Solomon is. I do, um, man. I'm not yeah. friends with him. And, uh-huh. um, you know, I think it, it, it's, it's, it saddens me. Mm-hmm. It saddens me when people who profess to believe are eventually walk away from the faith. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I understand why, though. But I think mm-hmm. there's a difference between deconstructing my experience mm-hmm. and deconstructing Jesus. Like, they're two different things. So I can say, okay, I was in a family of churches that at times tried to apply scripture as if it was scripture. And that caused some hurt and some pain. I get that. But where does the Bible say that believers will not experience that, right? It doesn't. So I think this idea that, you know, we we came, the age of enlightenment has already happened. We're in the Mm. age of entitlement right now. Mm. So there's, and, and even among Christians, it's the age of entitlement where I don't, deserve to be sinned against. Like, I don't feel like I should be hurt or be let down by a leader or a pastor or a fellow Christian. And when that happens, it becomes like, I need to deconstruct everything. And it's like, you know, you have to understand like, hey, listen, brother, like you're going to experience some 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 challenges in this life. Like this is yeah. what it's about. Perseverance is one of the, also another main thing of what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. It's like, so when I, when I, when I heard about it, 
I I I was a buddy of mine reached out to me first. At first, I was like, "Who are you talking about?" And then I realized, "Oh, okay, this dude." It, it was sad to me. It reminded me sort of not the same way because Josh Harris was a friend of mine. Mm. I was in his documentary. I survived. I kissed dating goodbye. I was in that joint. I didn't know he was going to walk away from the faith six, yeah. seven months later. But I, you know, I just think it's painful. But I think what it does do is say, "Hey, listen, man, my confidence." is not in people who are, have a bigger platform than me that are Christian. Yes. Because I'm literally I, I, what I said in yesterday's video. Yeah. <laughs> That's not my confidence. I mean, I'm cool yeah. with people. I tell my, I told my churches plenty of times. If you, if I fail away, God forbid, if I fall away, don't you ever fall away because your faith cannot be in me as your pastor. Come on. You cannot live vicariously through my gifts or my call you have to live according to who Jesus is to you and to who he is, but also your relationship with him. Don't let anyone. Yeah. So anyway, that's just kind of. That's well, let me. So let me ask you this. It seems like. And, and this is maybe me from the outside. in. I don't know you very well, Kurt, but it seems like you've maintained your convictions of reform theology without mm-hmm. it being your primary identity. Even the way 100%. we talk about these conversations, like you're not like Kurt, the reformed Christian, you're Kurt, the the husband, the follower of yeah. Jesus. Right. Yeah. And then somewhere down the tunnel, you say, well, this is the lens that I see scriptures through and I see soteriology through and I see God's sovereignty through. Whereas some of the brothers that did walk away, and this isn't specifically about Joseph. So let me take this down because I don't I have no idea what Joseph is going through. I haven't had a conversation with him. I'm looking forward to talking to him. And I listened to the podcast and I didn't get an answer. He didn't explain what it was specifically, but it seems like it is this certainty about all things. And then when that certainty is pulled on, the, the, everything else unravels. And then they and then again, this is not about Joseph, but then they become certain of them being so wrong about Jesus. Right. Mm -hmm. And so maybe the solution in some of this is how about we just don't approach our faith with this absolute certainty. I have it all figured out. Hey, man, if you're reformed, respect, be reformed. But the moment you start viewing non-reformed brothers and sisters as less than, as other, as junior varsity Christians, uh, I think I think now you're entering some some fundamentalism and some 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 intense stuff. Right. And again, I don't mean to speak for you. But it seems like there, that that we could maybe have some more humility, and 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 when there isn't humility, you form this very rigid. I think you used the word rigid earlier. Uh, faith, and if something or a leader or a personality or whatever is inconsistent or incongruent, then everything else kind of falls apart. And again, I don't know if that was Joseph's exact issue, but there's been other brothers. I'm not going to name people, but we all know dudes yeah. that were self-professed. Th- I had somebody tell me they were a thousand point Calvinist. I call them and say, hey, you rock with the five points of Calvinism? I'm learning about this. Somebody I trusted, somebody we both know. I said, you rock with the five? Like, help me explain. Like, help me. And he said, I'm a thousand point Calvinist. And now they're Jeez. so certain. They're so certain that they're so right now and they were so wrong then. And I was like, it sounds like you just swapped out fundamentalism. It sounds like you just went from one dog- dogma to another dogma. You went from one dogma of being, this is it, this is the right way, and if you don't believe this way, then you're wrong. And now, oh, I was so wrong, and now I'm so certain about this thing, right? And it's like, ah, that don't seem like faith. Like, that doesn't seem like a genuine faith. And again, this isn't a shot at anybody, but it's it's 
I don't know, man. I I, I don't know if there's something to that. Because I, I, what I appreciate about you, Kurt, is the humility in which you speak about these things. And even, you didn't say, I don't know, but when I posed some hard questions, you were just kind of like, I don't know if that's for us to know. Like, you kind of yeah. just was like, yeah, I don't know. Double free destination. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't make sense of a lot, you know. Uh, I don't. So, uh, I, you know. Well, you know what I've learned is there's no answer that pleases everyone, right? So, yeah. even I could give you an answer for everything, but I've just learned to be like, you know what? Why is that important? Like, why? Did, how does that affect your faith in the Lord? And why does that affect yeah. your faith in the Lord to know that answer? Like, it's not, it's a, it's a, so on, that's one side. On the other side, like, man, you know, when Jesus in Matthew 23, right? Jesus shocked me, bro. He said to all the people listening, he said this, the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, right? So he said, observe what they tell you, but mm. don't imitate what they do. And let me tell you why that blues me away. That's Matthew 23. Read that first four verses of Matthew 23. Yeah. One that says this one. Jesus can still use you, even though you're disqualified from eternity. Sheesh. He can still use the gifts that he gave you to inspire others to be faithful, even if you're not going to make it. So having a low view of our gifts yeah. is helpful. Luke 17, when Jesus said, I, you should say, I have only done what is my duty. I'm an unworthy servant, only doing what is my duty. Luke 17, 10, right? Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of us, man, and I don't think you do. I think you actually do a good job at this, Ruzon, man. And I, I think you, you do a good job of highlighting that you've worked hard by the grace of God to get here. You're willing to help others and do that stuff, but you don't like, I don't, I, I, and again, I haven't watched all of your videos, but you don't gloat in this, bro. Even our private conversations. I was like, man, I like rules. I'm like, he's a cool dude. He's, you know, I think there's a sense where, okay. In, to, in some people's eyes, you're really successful, brother. They would love your platform. Some of them, that's why they come at you for real, because mm. you have a platform that they don't have. They want, 100,000 subscribers or whatever this is. They want this, they want that, they want this. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, though, like, you maintain a level of, let me not take myself too seriously here, right? right. Let me, this is what I do. This is what I'm about. I want to help. I want to do this. I, I enjoy this. But let me let me slow down. You know what I'm saying? God God doesn't need Ruth Law, right? No. No, he, doesn't he, need, he doesn't need <laughs> Kirk Kennedy, man. He doesn't nope. need me, brother. The fact that God uses us is incredible. He does oh not. Oh, my gosh. When I go home, it's not like, I mean, my family will miss me, but it's not like, yeah. oh, the world is a darker place because yeah. Kurt's gone. Right. The Lord doesn't need us, yeah. brother. So, and I think a lot of people, it would do them well to be like, the Lord doesn't need you, fam. He doesn't need you, bro. He doesn't need you to warn them about this or to yeah. say this about this brother. Like, I think there's, there's just not enough of that. Like, Jesus will use the gifts that he gave a man, even if that man is disqualified. And every time I think about the Pharisees, and you think about this, his whole life, he was crushing them and yeah. still said, listen to what they teach. Knowing that every time of the stuff they teach is not going to be official, he still said. So, like, I don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Come on. I, I don't think, like, everything Robbie Zacharias <laughs> ever said, I can never. It's like, I don't throw the baby yeah. out with the bathwater. Yeah. There was still useful information in it. Yeah. And someone asked, have we had people attack us recently? I think that was one of the that was one of the questions. Have either of you had uh, anyone attack you verbally or any of your views recently? How do you think? How do you think 
did you respond? And I think both of us would say yes to that. And, uh, and we don't sure. respond perfectly. We don't respond yeah. perfectly, and we do our best. Uh, I don't want to unpack that because I'm not trying to give out free clout tokens right now. Right. But, I will uh, say this, though. God gave me an amazing moment of reconciliation with a brother amen. that we were going. It was an amazing moment, and I didn't think yeah. that was possible. He didn't think it was possible. So I do, I do revel in that. I do feel like, thank you, Lord, that he did that, that it was, it was a phone call that we got on the phone and the Lord really used that. And I think Mm -hmm. it changed both of us, particularly towards each other, at least for what I, what I can see. I mean, who knows what will happen in the future. That individual could hear something I said here and and disagree and make a a show about it. But that stuff doesn't, people will disagree with me all the time. Like I get it. Like, I don't think I'm infallible and, 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 and Aaron, but. But if you're going to disagree with me, disagree with me biblically and don't disagree with me because you didn't like something. I mean, you can do that, too, but don't don't say something about me because you ain't like it. Like, show me where I'm wrong. If it's biblical in the Bible, if it's not, I'm fine with that. If you if you understand exactly what I mean and you could show me scripturally how I'm in error, I'll change my perspective. I'll change my perspective. But 100%. if you're misrepresenting or misunderstanding what I mean, mm-hmm. or you or you you haven't taken enough time to actually hear me out in long form, like this conversation, two-hour conversation, there's a lot in here. You know, I right. almost don't want to chop some of this up. I'm going to have to, but I almost don't want to chop some of this up because, like, you got to sit and hear the entire conversation to get this the spectrum, the nuance, all these different things. Yeah. Let me bounce the solution off of you, and I, and I don't know how to scale this. And I don't know if I've told you this story before, but let me, let me, let me, let me, like this is my dream of like helping a lot of people get get here. So there's a brother, part of our community, amazing, loves Jesus, um, comes from a pr- pretty rough area. About a year and a half ago, calls me, man, yo, I lost my job. He was a school teacher, wasn't making a ton of money, um, and he had this business to 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 build coffee, build a coffee business, right? And I, and I brag about him. I'm not taking responsibility for his success. I did not do this. He did it all. But it was. God used me, I think, in some of our conversations in helping him. And he, and he calls me, oh, man, I lost my job. I got this coffee thing. He wants to do Coffee Black. That's the name of the company. And he's, I'm like, yo, like, this is your shot. Like, like, okay, you lost this teaching job, but this is a good look, right? And so post-pandemic, he posts this graphic. He starts doing it, Black Coffee, uh, taking people back to, you know, the origins of coffee. And, he, and he's like, yo, um, you know, uh, I posted this graphic. And he's like, the graphic is going crazy. Like, everybody's asking me to make a T-shirt of it. This is a graphic he made on his phone, right? Mm. And he didn't know how to scale that. This is my, my man Bartholomew Jones, which y'all should connect, by the way. You guys, you guys will hit it up. And that. he's like, I don't know how to scale this. Like, I don't have the capital to go and make a, a, a bunch of T-shirts to sell them. And I basically walked him through what's in my merch class. Where I have a class. I, I, I gifted you the, the YouTube master, master YouTube course, but there's a merch section in there. And I basically walked him through that system. And he called me back and was like, fam, like, I got like a thousand pre-orders and like $20,000 sitting in my bank account. Like, I've never, Did you include I've never that this. in the gift that you gave me, the merch joint? Yeah, Let me yeah, get yeah that's in it. That joint's in it. That joint's in it. And, and, and so he, by the grace of God, not taking credit, but by the grace of God, yeah. this brother is able to scale and, and, and literally go from like losing his job as, a, as an educator to building a multi-six-figure business that hires a dozen people. They're, they, they're literally buying out their block. Like they're literally buying out a block in Memphis uh, the the lot next door they got a, a a coffee club going on like 
dude, the the work they're doing, they're about to. They're taking a trip to Ethiopia to refine their uh, their process of where they get their coffee from, right? Mm. And and wow. there's been other brothers like 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 Nick D and brothers that I've just helped out that that, that are doing amazing things. So my my heart is like, bro, I think the solution. To so a lot of these problems, not all of them. The solution is ultimately Jesus and the gospel. But I think the solution also on this side of eternity is like, fam, if we if we help each other build a bunch of businesses where, where we then own our communities, we own the neighborhoods, we own, we hire, we create economic opportunity for people and pay them better than a Starbucks can. Um, like it. it, it that can help alleviate some of this tension we're feeling with wealth inequality, right? Where people are, are experiencing massive wealth inequality, right? It's small business, small Christian businesses, the Christian ecosystem, the Christian dollar staying within it. And the, and, and Christians helping other people, right? And, and, and you servicing your product to non-Christians, and then they join your community and then find out you're a believer, even if you're not overtly about your faith in your business like I am. Like, I feel like that, that the, 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 the small business entrepreneurship can be the solution to a lot of these issues that we're having with racism, with these things, you know. Um, and so I'm, I, I, I want to scale that outside of like a, a, a digital course. Like, why am I buy my course? Like, I'm going to sell some mm-hmm. digital products and courses, too. But I want to I want to just to share that with you and, and, and bounce it off of you, man, and figure out, like, do you think that some of that can be this? So like and like actual empowerment coming alongside of each other, helping people go and say, yo, like, you know, we did this. We I got to being a six-figure entrepreneur by myself as an independent rapper. You see what I'm saying? Like, before everybody was doing before it was, like, commonplace. So, like, that's my heart, and I want to help people go from, from, from point A to point B. I just, I don't know how to scale it. I think there's only so much I could do with a YouTube channel, you know what I'm saying? But but I do make it a point to, like, actively mentor brothers and, 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 and pour into dudes um, that I feel like got the idea, they got the product, they got the idea, and they really just need to flesh it out. And it's a six-figure idea or a seven-figure idea. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that be, be, before we get out of here. You know, so in James, right, James talks about, look, you, you'll say you have faith, you know, say so you believe in God, good. Even the demons believe in our faith, right? Mm-hmm. But his point was like, show me, I'll show you my faith by what I do, mm. right? And a lot of a lot of faithfulness is not just what I believe, but what do I do, and how does that how does that manifest itself? Mm-hmm. And I think what you're talking about is establishing people, believers in particular, to learn how to make money work and mm-hmm. and help people to be successful. Like that's it's a default. So. It's like discipleism, right? So mm-hmm. you got evangelism, but then it's, it's, but you make disciples. It's really discipleism, and you're discipling people how to better themselves in a way that they can use that for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Stuff like, and, and again, we said it right. The Lord doesn't need us to do that. Doesn't need you, but that doesn't mean He doesn't want us and doesn't use us to do these things. And I think when I hear what you're saying, to me, that's a let me show you my faith by what I do. Right. You're not just sitting around talking about what people are doing and you're not doing this, but you're actually helping people. That's different, bro. That's 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 one of the things that's it's what they call when you got a lot of money, they call it philanthropy. Right. So (laughs) it's just there's a sense where you're using a gift set like because when you look at like Romans 12 and then even first Corinthians 12, it has variety of gifts, varieties of activities 
and varieties of uh, um, what's the third one? It's, uh, gifts, it's gifts, activities, and man, I'm drawing. I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on this. But there's a couple different things, right? That God gives people. Everything isn't a supernatural gift, like a word of knowledge or mm-hmm. speaking in tongues. Some of it is just administration, yeah. Yeah. zeal, yes. uh, generosity. These are all gifts in Romans 12. I think the Lord has given you some of those things that just seem like, okay, just work hard and do it. But like, no, you do it unto the Lord. I think that is a good solution, brother. Mm. I think for those who are willing to, so he who has an ear to hear, let him hear, right? Not every, some people want solutions to be quick. And it's like, no, you teach people how to work, how to grind for the glory, right? That's, that's beautiful. And I think we do need that. Like we, it's not the answer, but it's an answer, and we need stuff like that. And I think the church minimizes that. We over-spiritualize things so much and make it seem like it has to be this enigmatic sort of Gnostic way that God leads me. And yeah. it's like, nah, fam, learn, take this course. Yeah, yeah. Learn well, how well, to think about this and then, the, and then go. Dr. Eric Mason said, he said, uh, you know, theology usually leads to doxology. Right. Living onto onto the glory of God. And Mm -hmm. it's like if we got all this theology and we got more access to the Greek and the Hebrew and these brilliant theologians, man, how could I be a better neighbor? Like, how could I be a better husband? How could I be a better father? How could I create margin in my life so that I I have I have, uh, you know, I'm I'm not always capped out, burnt out, high capacity. And then I'm I don't I don't I'm not operating from overflow. So I think uh, I think that's dope, brother. Hey, we got to get you on YouTube. That's that's my objective with at the end of this interview, because I wanted people exposed (laughs) to you. We got to get you on YouTube. You got you got the dope background already. Uh, yeah. And we got we got to get you on this mug, man. So hopefully- now nah, I'm gonna look at the course you gave, man. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let my man Strack, me and Strack, yeah. really sit down and talk about. That. I think are y'all mobile? Like y'all do it in person or do y'all do a remote? Your your we podcast? do it remote, man. Strack okay. is in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Okay, and I'm in you know in Maryland, right outside of Washington D.C. So okay. Yeah, we I mean, you guys it. could you you guys could build it out uh, and, and do it very well. And and li- what I do, if you can tell, is like I stream to YouTube. Right. You know what I'm saying? And then we take them and chop them up. Uh, but I think I like guys- how you do it, bro. I like how you. I like. I, I'm looking forward to reading it. You know, looking at the stuff you sent me, man, because yeah. I I like how you break it down. I think you got a perfect personality for this, bro. Just even in this chat, even in the chat, watching the chat, there's a lot of folks who, who don't know who you are, but are like, yo, like this Kurt got a YouTube channel. Like, how could I hear, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I think, I think, and, and it's in, a, it could also be an extension to your local church that you're pastoring mm-hmm. to have yeah. a resource for how to think through some of these things. You know what I'm saying? You know what's funny, man? I've just not wanted to do it because I feel like this is what everybody's trying to do. And so I've just been like, ah. Uh, We'll just, but I feel like in talking to you recently and then some other folks, I feel like, you know, let's, let's, I mean, let's just try it. Let's just see yeah. what's up. So we, we have to reformat how we do some things on the show to do that. Mm-hmm. But me and Strack both have talked about it and yeah. we're up for it. And I think, I think you've given me some tools and I'm, and, you know, we're going to build on this relationship that we Absolutely. have yeah. that I think you'll help us that probably starting in season four end of September. Yeah. We may start on YouTube and, and work our way out. Come on, man. And by the way, guys, um, if you're in the D.C. area, if you're in yeah. the D.C. area, check out um, the church. Tell them the name Solid of the church Solid Rock again. Church. So Solid, Solid Rock, Rock Church. Rock you church. go to SolidRockChurch.net. 
that's the website. Go there. Um, they give you the address when we start. See video clips, all that stuff. You can go there, check us out. If you if you're in the area, would love to. If you're not in the area though, uh, find a church in your area, man. Come don't, on. Don't latch on to a pastor that you may like his personality or teaching. But I'm not going to pray for you, talk yep. with you, care yep. for you. I can yep. you can only stream my sermons live and. Uh, you don't need me. You need to be around a community of people that will help you. So I'm only saying it because in our day and age, everything's so digital. Everything people is will, digital, man. Every, people will stream your messages. And it's like, man, I preach for Solid Rock. And I understand that other people watch the live stream. And, but I preach for my church because I'm a pastor of that church. I'm not trying to be... And- and the online personality, online pastor, they're not, they're not going to marry you. They're not going to bury no. you. They're not going to be at the hospital with you. I'm not even going to pray um, for you, fam. I'm not even going to pray because I'm not, you know, not going to be in contact with you. So, But now, if you're in yeah. the area, man, stop through. would love to have you come through. Yes. You, you know, if it's online, I'm on Twitter. It's I'm Kurt Kennedy. I am C. Kurt Kennedy. Um, not I A M, but I, the, 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 the letter M. I'm yeah. Kurt Kennedy. Um, KirkKennedy.substack.com is where I get a lot of my writings from. I got okay. the illest, illest review of Vody Bauckham's fault lines on that joke. Uh-oh. I didn't know you had a review on it. Okay, there you oh, go. Oh, yeah, I'm going to tell I'm you, I'm sending bro. everybody your way to, to ask no, me about Gospel that book. Coalition, <laughs> Gospel Coalition hit me and asked me to do it. And I did uh-huh. it, and they were like, brother, we like it, but it's just too vast. And I said, bro, I can't write a 1,800-page review of a book like yeah. that that's causing yeah. I needed to really break down so if you go to kirkkennedy.substack.com I write for that I haven't written in the last few weeks because I just moved okay. and been doing some stuff yeah, yeah. but I'm, I'm, but I'm going to pick back up on that writing okay. and all of that stuff beautiful so well brother listen you've been a in the short time we've known each other you've been a blessing to me man and uh, I'm super grateful for you and, and, and we're definitely going to have you on the channel when the new music comes out yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, and I'm excited to see what God's gonna do uh, with your with some of your YouTube stuff. I mean, you got a lot on your plate, but I I, I told you know, there's so many brothers I think need to be on this platform, bro. It's very fertile yeah. right now, and I think you're perfect for it. So, guys, Kurt Kennedy, go follow him on a Twitter. Check out the the music, all that good stuff, brother. Thank you so much, man. I'm gonna let you go. My privilege, brother. Always a pleasure. Until right. next time. King Stream Entertainment. Bruce Lawn. Yo, thank you so much for making it to the end of this video. If you found it valuable, considering giving it a like and subscribing. This month, I'm releasing the Love What You Do collection. And to celebrate, I'm doing a three-day virtual event to help us go from learning to love what we do to ultimately doing what we love. By the way, it's free, so hit the link in the description to grab your seat today. Holy smokes, you made it through the entire episode. Shout out to you probably means you're rocking with what we're doing and again we ain't got no sponsors on this show and i'm gonna keep it that way but what you can do to keep it sponsor free is consider signing up for our king's dream patreon the link is in the description of this episode best way to get a hold of me best way to hop into a group zoom call and the best way to partner with what we're doing here help us create more stuff just like this thank you for listening peace